Bitch, I know how to read these hoes. Okay, already. the fuck? Backward yeah. and forward. Next. To kind of kick us off, I do want to gift you with a bitch has stickers. Right? She's moving up. She All really the way up. I've been wanting some stickers. <laughs> I need to get your sticker plug. I'm going to put it on my happy planner. Where's that at? In my book bag at home. Oh, cute. But I want to cover the whole thing with stickers. We're going to have to add a, um... That's not it. See? See? There we go. It's Is it the last name change? I mean, you, I'm always Chelsea Lamore, so. Yes. I want to welcome one of my favorite, favorite Richmonders, and Aww. she is a comm major. Yes. Um, I love your energy. Thank you. Been, well, first of all, backtrack. Okay. You inspired me to start this podcast. Don't tell me that. Yes, you did. Real tears, the real tears. <laughs> so, okay. ladies, gentlemen, queers, and oh fans, my God. I want to welcome the one and only Chelsea Lamore to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, honey. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for Literally, on. I was telling my wife that you are one of my favorite people. Mm-hmm. I was like, Chaz is one of those people that is so special. You can't even put your finger on what exactly makes him special. And I was like, he's the type of person that if I was out and anyone treated him less than kind, I'm fighting. Period. And that's on period poo, okay? And she was like, you would fight? I'm like, that's how serious I am. Like, I just think you're so amazing. Your energy is so beautiful that, like, I can't... You're one of those people, like, I really can't remember the first time I met you because you've just, like, your energy has felt so familiar since the first time we met. I really don't know when the hell I met you. I have no idea when we met, but I know when I came in your podcast, I had a blast. Thank you. And even though your podcast is dope, I had a blast. I loved your energy. I think you're, like, a phenomenal host. Thank you. I was sitting there during that whole interview, like, bitch, I'm gonna start a podcast. Woo! (laughs) I could do it, too, bitch. I love that energy. (laughs) Keep that energy, sis. I love that energy. Because I just feel like, you know, as black folks Mm -hmm. who grew up, you know, in Mm well-to-do families, etc., there is so much respectability politics and mm-hmm. how we are supposed to be and we're supposed to be calm and we're supposed to be ladylike and mm-hmm. male you tell my mama this let me make sure my mama's listening to this episode <laughs> she yeah. is and I feel like you I don't know when it happened for you if you've always been like this but you you wear yourself so fucking well Aww, and you are very just like you. bitch I am me it took me a minute you're disruptive you're energetic <laughs> woo I've never been called disruptive and loved it okay. no it's cute it's cute it's yes cute. I love I, that I am interested in like give us a little bit backstory about um backstory I'm already slurring honey <laughs> give me a little bit of backstory about how you started the podcast uh-huh. but also like how and when did you kind of come into yourself or were you okay. always like this because I do feel like your energy is I was always like this with my friends got it I was not this I was not the real me mm. until 25, I guess you could say. How old are you now? I am now 30. Mm. So it's really five years of Chelsea Lamore. Um, but how this, okay, so how do I even start? I always knew that I wanted to do something to entertain. I grew up in my mom's beauty salon. Yes. So I was around Don't women. Touch my hair. Come are on now, in? look. I, that's already had my own feelings. I'm ready to go there, okay? We're going there. First of all, I felt some type of way. I didn't even know you then. I wasn't even so. I didn't even know you. Who the fuck had the nerve to do this without me? The unmitigated gall. Okay? So, I grew up in my mom's hair salon, so I've always had a connection with black women. Like, I never had that you can't sit with us type mentality. Like, Mm. I feel comfortable around black women. Period. And so, I love being around black women. Mm. They were the first people that really embraced me and gave me confidence. So, um... 
fast forward, I always knew I wanted to do something. I actually thought I wanted to be an actress. I still would love to be an actress. But growing up, theater and acting was my thing. I loved to sing. And I will say... Adults are the fucking worst. Mm. They're dream killers. Yes. <laughs> and so a lot of the adults in Especially my life. Especially the ones that are out here fighting racism. Exactly. Because be like, girl, just wear that skirt below the knees so they don't bother you. Exactly. Child. Or the people that didn't quite get to live their dreams and like project their fears yes. onto you. Projection. And so, yes. Being an actress or a singer seems so far-fetched for me that You're I say, right. you know what? Well, I've got a personality. I want to be in radio. Mm. You know, that was before there was any podcasting or anything like that. So, um, I went to Virginia State, the Virginia State University. And... <laughs> And I majored in communications with a concentration in radio and television. And even at Virginia State, I was not the person that you see now. Like, I hung out with just the people in my dorm, Mm. and that was it. Mm. I just didn't have the confidence. Like, that's the main thing. I didn't have confidence. Mm. And um, it wasn't until a nigga got me fucked up that I gained that confidence. And I was in a relationship, and I was engaged. Mm. And... That's when all of the pieces kind of, when things started to fall apart, all the pieces kind of fell together. Mm-hmm. And so that's where my podcast, Single in the City, started. It started from like a really hurt, I sounded like a bitter bitch the whole first season. A oh, bitch was hurt. The city. Absolutely. Um, and it started just kind of like, I was like, I got the fuck played. And I, th- I feel like that's something that a lot of women don't talk about because there's a level of shame or embarrassment of what you did for a guy while y'all were in a relationship and how it ended up. Mm. And I'm like, there's so many women like this. Why are we not talking about this? Mm. And let's normalize the hurt, okay? Like, talking about that. And, like, taking away that stigma that you a dumb bitch because you gave your all to a nigga that didn't deserve you. And if you I didn't interject for a second, mm-hmm. I feel like one thing that I've been brewing about, I've actually been talking to your cousin yes. about this a lot, is that what black women and queer feminine black men do not typically do Mm -hmm. is realize how we have so many similar experiences. Uh Because we have both been fucked by the straight, down low nigga. Ooh, these niggas be niggas. I do feel like there's a connection between how we have been Mm -hmm. impacted by these niggas. Yes, because niggas don't nig. Yes, and we never talk about it because I think our sexuality differences allows us to think that our experiences are different. It's like, girl, we are both out here chasing niggas. Okay, and get it played. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah, when he leaves your house, he's in the park with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not in that life anymore. <laughs> the download nigga be in the park. I'm sure. And then be in church. I'm sure. Yes, I'm positive. Serious. I'm positive. I remember my brother had just started his podcast around the same time as mine. Mm-hmm. And so he listened to it and he was like, well, I think you should kind of change some things up. It's like, only black women or black people would be attracted to your podcast. I said, perfect. Like the black dating experience is so different, especially for women than it is for any other race. Mm -hmm. And so I want this to be the black girl podcast. Like it ain't, I'm not trying to make it for everybody. Like it's for black people. It's for black women. It's for black men. It's for queers for anyone. The whole thing is everyone has dated. Everyone has been in a situationship. They're single. They're working through some shit and it's a safe space for people of color. Mm. So what he kind of saw as a negative, like, Oh, well you won't be able to have or gain the interest of, I said, if they decide, yeah, fuck them is also one of those like white ice is colder type people what the heck what does that mean 
You never heard that? I don't want nothing white in my in my eyes. <laughs> white ice is colder, meaning like ice is the is the same temperature whether you have it or whether a white person has it. But there's always that person like, ooh, white ice is cold. Like, I want that. I want I want what they have. No. I feel like innately whatever's white is like cooler. So he can be he can be a white ice's colder. It's funny because the blackest I've ever seen my brother be is like in the last like. 2020. <laughs> I feel like there's something that happens when niggas make it to college because, you know, I, I'm a first-generation college student mm. um, and first my family to go to grad school as well, my immediate family. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that when I went to the University of Richmond's undergrad, I was a completely different mm. chance as well. Even though I was out and I was, you know, okay in terms of, you know, I was actualizing my sexuality. Like, I was sucking dick. Right. <laughs> you was, like your 95%. But though. I was very, like, you know, I was chasing straight men. Mm-hmm. I was having crushes on men that were not mm. um, emotionally available to me. I was getting a shape up every week because I thought that that's how you need to present yourself mm. and constantly look. Growing my hair out was, like, not an option. I'm a black man. You right. need to be clean cut. Mm-hmm. And, and you Jamaican, too. Yeah, and, you know, Jamaican's child. Like, that's that cherry yeah. on I don't know what it is, but us Caribbean folks can be, like, very riddled in respectability. And I think Mm. it's because of the intersection of being, like, immigrant and Mm. also black. Right. So you're trying trying to to form... You're trying to not be, like, those black people. Mm -hmm. Like, we were... We are different. We're different. And so there was so much about, like... um, how you're supposed to present yourself, how you're supposed to look. Wow. Like, even the Jamaican stereotype of, like, we work eight jobs. Like, mm-hmm. that still kills niggas because <laughs> we be getting into this overwork thing. Look. And I have definitely had to deal with that as well. Quarantine has, like, been a blessing. And, you know, we talked about Don't Touch My Hair, RBA, on your podcast. But, yes. like, similar to you, I grew up going to the barbershop, but also, like, going to beauty salons with my mm-hmm. mom and feeling that difference of, like, oh, the beauty salon is where it gets popping. Oh, yeah. Like, I was dancing for the women in there. Yes. The beauty salon was, I mean... for my queerness kind of like unearthed mm. and so I do feel very much connected um, to black women yes. because of the ways in which I, I saw like queerness in black women mm-hmm. being like the single mother was performing masculinity yes. and mm. femininity yes. right and mm-hmm. so I, I tell my friends who have children all the time who talk about like with this representation of like more black uh, queer folks and trans folks and um, lesbian couples etc mm-hmm. what about like black straight men like we don't want to just be on this track of like niggas are trash and it's like right. but I also think that we need to raise our black boys to recognize that they can have mentorships and they can Ooh. identify with folks who don't share their same my gender my whole thing is I'm not a male basher especially a male bla- uh, black male basher. basher but what I will say is raise these black men to be just as strong as you expect the black women to be that's like that's just the gist of it all. Like meet the expectations of If I knew how to do it, I would drop a clues bomb on the show. <laughs> Period. <laughs> that's my clues bomb on my show. No, Period. You're right. and, I think that we, and stop raising black women to mm-hmm. be the caretakers yes. for us and to constantly wait for yes. Superman. I will tell you, like let's let's spill the tea for a second. Mm-hmm. I do find that like Sometimes it'd be my cis black women friends where you have to double explain, like, girl, this nigga is trash. Mm-hmm. Stop trying Look. to care for him. Like, you are not, you are not zooming in on her shit. Let me tell you something. In the last, like, two years, I mean, I have been. And I know better because it has just been probably for two days and 12 minutes that I have been like, 
okay, I can't, I can't help Look, you. I'm not your life. I got bitch. tired of calling these niggas at the carpet. And I said, I'm just going to get a whole bitch, okay? <laughs> Fuck this carpet. <laughs> like, I cannot. And I do want to ask you. <laughs> yes. Okay. You know, you, you talk a lot about being single and about the black woman mm-hmm. experience on your show. Mm-hmm. The decision or the transition to say, like, you know, like, I'm going to marry, I'm going to marry who I'm in love mm-hmm. with. And I'm in love with Caitlyn. Right. I'm not searching for a black man or mm-hmm. more, whatever. What kind of um, feelings or impressions have you been met with from people? Like, are people like, damn, girl, you didn't you didn't wait? It's weird because I did not make the decision of, like, I'm not dealing with men anymore. I didn't want to be bothered with people anymore. I was dating a man right before I met Caitlyn. Mm-hmm. And he was on the fuck shit. And I just, oh, like, I? yes. Wait, from you Tennessee. Ever, you've never done... Hmm? You've never done outside of our Yeah, mm-hmm. I've dated Indian. I've dated a... Uh... Did you think the Indian guy that sold sneakers or something? Yes. Come on, part two to single Come on, come on, come on. We'll drop a link for my... <laughs> um, I dated an Indian guy. I briefly, I mean very briefly, dated a white guy um, and a Dominican guy. Mm. Was they black, but... Okay. Yeah. Um, but this will be the first time that I was in a relationship with someone that was not black. Uh, Caitlin is not black and she's technically an immigrant. Mm, mm-hmm. mm, mm. So and she was raised by white people. Mm, okay, so your yeah. in-laws. My in-laws are white. What you're telling me is that your in-laws are white. White. Mm. When I say white, I Let's mean have a moment of silence. Right? I, but one thing I will say. Um, I bet I, you every Christmas you just get them a different seasoning. Well, we haven't even had Christmas. Merry yet. Christmas, here's some. We ain't even had Christmas yet, child. Merry Christmas, here's some. Pepper. I haven't even. I think it's funny because maybe like a couple weeks ago, me and my wife are like, I think we've known each other a year, a year now. We did the typical lesbian shit. <laughs> <laughs> On our second date, we were talking about getting married. <laughs> you are lying. I'm dead ass. I, I don't even think we knew each other 90 days before we got married. This could be a reality show. No, seriously. Just let me have the gay, the gay friend cameo. Look. Hey, <laughs> Excuse me? I'm like, wow. no, my what wife. Is real love? My wife and I, like, I met her when she was on a date with another bitch. Whatever. I was working um, at my part-time job serving, and Where I started at? at Cooper's Talk. What's that? It's a winery in Short I thought you said Pussy Talk. I was like, you work for City Girls? <laughs> Cooper's Talk. I work for Pussy Talk, too. I work full time there. Wait. Oh, wait. There's a... You know what? Damn. I work Pussy... you on these buttons is actually my favorite thing. It's actually the best part that you don't know what the fuck you're doing with your buttons. Wait, how you go to the other channel? Oh, bitch, I'm about to get yes, you. Yes, these are the channels. Okay, wait, because on my other channel, uh-huh. too, this channel, too, with the real shit at. No. No, you talking about how you switch these? Yeah, no, there's another channel. Of these sound effects. Yes, bitch, how you, you go do to um, Sounds. And then you, yep. She don't want you to get that. You can hear it? No, I'm not listening. Okay, go back to where you were. I want to make sure that I'm recording. This was making sure. You was getting me together. Yes. I appreciate you for the tech support. <laughs> Mister, I want to buy a $600 piece of equipment for the telephone <laughs> buttons. Like, as a media professional, I'm like, nigga, what? For the buttons? You have a whole Not the fact that it has five channels and Bluetooth and four. It's literally a whole studio in one. This nigga said, I love the buttons. Not this infomercial that you are giving us. Look, come I'm on, you. Roadcaster Pro. I'm a Roadcaster. Uh, I like to learn as I go. Now, that seems ratchet. No. But this is how I work. It's very user-friendly. It's very user-friendly. Yeah. But I like what you're saying about 
the 90 day fiance thing. I don't think that's a problem because I just feel like when you know, you know. Yes. My mom, um, my my parents are divorced. They've been divorced since probably I was like in third grade. But they started dating when they were like 14 or 15. That was a different time though. Yeah, but my mom said that to say when I told her I was getting married. First of all, I called my mom on a Monday and said, what are you doing Friday? She said, I have clients. I said, well, I'm getting married Friday if you want to come through. Wow. Um, Did they receive her well? There, uh, but you know, black people did they yes, kind of like actually yes. They didn't watch. I think that waiting for Superman. She was well. One, my oh god, this is gonna sound horrible. My last girlfriend wasn't a, what they consider aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> she had really big knees, but um. Don't shit talk no. Is she black? Yes. Girl, your knees are beautiful. You are smart. You are kind. You was pre done. <laughs> <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> no, but seriously, I really loved her for her personality. I know, I heard you. I never was you like, talked about her and like. Yes, I never was like super physically attracted to her, but I'm the type of person that I can become attracted to you just like how you make me feel, the other qualities that you, I, I have always I been. I like, I like a, I like a versatile man. Okay. So you don't have to be as feminine as me, but you have to be able to switch it up. Meaning, okay. like, you gotta have. Something to play with on your head, so I like okay a little bit. Of the hair. more you say, I feel like the smaller and smaller and smaller your dating pool gets. <laughs> and that is yeah. why I live in this two bedroom yeah. house I with think. a home office <laughs> and a pup and a new pup. Okay. Oh, no, I just I, I'm like seeing this puddle dwindle down. But you know, I'm gonna quote my homegirl Yvonne Orgy. Mm-hmm. Love her because on her comedy special, she said that she's tired of her friends telling her that your standards are too high. Mm. She said my standards are not too high, just most of these niggas cannot. Me. Come on now, and, and that's kind of how I feel. Like that's I don't have like necessarily high standards. I just know what I like. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong. with Yeah, that. and I'm also just like I have spent so much of my queer life dating these kinds of like repressed men who are like not fully actualized mm. in their sexuality, and I think because I'm so kind of femme mass yeah. free that. A lot of niggas sleep with me and date me because they aspire to be. Yes, I can so see that. Yes, and I'm I mean, really tired of doing that. So motherfuckers will take you. I can see people. I want somebody that tells me, like, shut up and learn from me. I can see people dating you that aspire to be you, definitely. Mm-hmm. And you help coming out of the closet. Yes, but I even have to learn this myself, not necessarily in relationships, but friendships mm. or people mm. they love your energy and they'll drain it from you and yep. you almost feel like you have nothing left to give 100% you're the type of person that you are bountiful Me in that energy girl. that I can easily see someone that is not comfortable with themselves attracting being attracted to you because you are your full authentic self all the time but they are actually the most dangerous person to be because around they will you suck my energy out and the, they are the, the most dangerous person and to the be part around where you. it gets male toxic as fuck is I continue to give and give and give and I feel that when I am Chaz without the wig, mm-hmm. Chaz with no makeup on, mm-hmm. the eyelashes just looking I was like, dry. Oh, you know I was looking at these eyelashes and you have a good bottom lash. But when the eyelashes look <sighs> dry, they're nowhere to be found. Mm. Because they're not used to... Like, when I went through a serious season of depression, mm. I have, like, I can think of three friends that I really went to and they mm. were like, girl... Chaz, you'll be okay. You're always like uppity, and you'll be fine. Wow. You're all, and it's like that's not like we're not the meme. The, the meme itself said, "Check on your strong friends." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that is so fucking.
fucking true though for real like I have been that strong friend that nobody checks on you know what that reminds me of when people say especially black people mm. I'm gonna pray for you bitch was that the prayer because I don't think you really went home <laughs> and said a prayer for me that be the prayer. I'm going to pray for you. So you're right. On my ideal dating pool going forward, I'm really trying to... And you're a giver, so you definitely have to be careful. I'm a giver, but I, I believe in reparations. I know you believe in reparations, but what I'm saying is so you're giving and you don't even realize that you're giving. Girl, you are reading me for fun. I know. Because that is so true. Bitch, like, twin. The fuck Especially you saying? because... I, I, this energy and my social it's, skills. It's just you. It's just me, and I don't realize when I'm. What am I telling you? I did not experience this in dating relationships. I've, deal, I've dealt with this in friendships. My therapist. You told don't me, realize that you're doing it because you are you. My, my last partner um, would used to take me on some trips sometimes. We would go away for weekends and things. Oh, like that's the way to keep it humble. Okay. But wait. <laughs> I came to my therapist and I was like, when we go on trips, I just feel, I come back feeling so exhausted, even though he's paying for everything, even mm. though he's driving, et cetera. Mm, he's, my, like, he's overdrawn another. My therapist was like, well, that's because the trip isn't free because he's asking Ooh. for all this advice. You're talking to him about racial stuff. Mm. He's navigating his whole life, you know, issues with you. So he's draining you. Right. And you think that just because he's paying for the hotel room that like that is nothing and it, and you're right it's like people like us that have this energy we don't realize that like people just they suck it they're drawn to it and yeah. then they just latch on and part of it is my fault too like I need to stop letting men in that are not fully actualized in their sexuality mm. and mm. their masculinity and their femininity mm. because it's not my job to be your life coach oh. it's my job to be Look, come on now. your Ooh. partner and mm -hmm. like the I, I'm not saying that like it has to all be reciprocal but there needs there needs to be some reciprocity in these mm -hmm. relationships mm -hmm. and I can't just be like oh I'm gonna just Chelsea I'm just helping him and when he gets to this point emotion like no nah, nigga go to therapy yes. and if you can't afford therapy like we'll work on something together no talk space use the offer talk code R E A D <laughs> boom, 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 pow. <laughs> now, the gay girl has the gym now. That is so The true. fuck? We are going all around the place. Okay. What I do want to get into is, first of all, shout out to Africana Film Festival. Yeah. For premiering Everyday Black Matter. Love it. My uh, current film project. And this is probably going to be the opening to season two because okay. you're just that fast. Oh, my God. I'll be the fuck back. But yes, I want to say shout out to Africana Film Festival and just all the folks in Richmond who have yes. supported uh, this podcast and my work. And we have recently released the first visual project mm. to this podcast, which is called Everyday Black Matter. It is, um, it's my baby. It is a film. First of all, can I just say I loved it. Thank you. Um, I all the tea of what you I was shocked to see my grandmother in it. <laughs> like, my grandma, Michonne, is the one going like this. I was like, is that my grandmother? Well, first, she was driving Jonah around. I, I figured. And we was like, get out of the car and come do this scene for us real quick. And she was very helpful. Michonne's always down. Like, always. The thing is, Michelle will be down and not really know what but she's she going to say. At first, she was kind of looking at, like, I brought my dog with me. She mm -hmm. was like, so you brought your dog with you to do the She was kind of looking at me like, oh. she was looking at me like, She's the personification of unfuckwittable energy. <laughs> unfuckwittable. She's a grandma. She looks good. She is like, but you know what's funny? But she not to get age. Off, not to get off subject. She is my grandmother, but I just found out recently, maybe like five years ago, that she was offended that I called her my step grandmother. Uh, she is my 
um, dad's stepmom. Oh, okay. So she is the same age as my mother. And, but I've known her my entire life. Yeah. And so we call her by her first name. So when I introduced her to people, I was like, I was so weird saying this is my grandmother because it's like, look at her. What? Yeah, yeah. And so one day she told me, she was like, why do you always call me step-grandmother? I was like, I thought I was extending a courtesy. Uh, um, but, you know, it, it also is very relevant, too, because, like, I had no malintentions, but sometimes, like, not just in, like, family titles, but how people choose to identify, mm. that we present our own feelings onto something that just let it be what it is and what they tell you it is. Project. If that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I'm thinking, like, my feelings are, well, she's too young to be my grandma. I'm going to call her step-grandma. The whole time I'm offending her. Because she feels like she's your whole grandma, girl. Exactly. So what people are to you, you need... It's hard for me to put into words what I'm trying to it say. It sounds like you're talking kind of about, like, in queer communities, like, chosen family. Yes. Like, I have many aunties who are... Yes. I have, I have a whole bunch of gay men who are my aunties. Come on now. And they're like, nigga, I'm your auntie. Like, mm-hmm. and, I, I feel, and the energy that they give, the support that they give, yes. like, we, we create our own family mm-hmm. structures sometimes out of lack. Yes. For, you know, when we come up yeah. the closet and they be like, And our own out. feelings, like, prevent us from... I guess expanding our mind into thinking of how that person may feel mm. or whatever. Like I would have never known that calling her my step grandmother grandmother would offend her. Mm. The same as like calling someone them and they, which even myself I'm I'm getting adjusted to because mm. I already said I'm new to the community. I really need an ambassador. Help me. You came okay? into you came into the community, got your membership yesterday, and then got married and left. Come on now. Um, look. Are y'all gonna be that lesbian? Come on, gonna be at the gay bar in the corner <laughs> buying drinks for the younger girls. It's so funny. It's so <laughs> buying funny. Buying drinks for the younger hoes. <laughs> We have a friend, um, a gay, a lesbian couple friend, and so one of them is um, from Thailand, and the other one is Jamaican, or yeah, she's Jamaican. That's a lot of cultural differences. Yes, and so, but for me, it's all and my wife. It's always so awkward that the Jamaican is like, we feel like she's like super gay before she's black. Uh, okay, what does that mean? We, we, let's unpack that. Then we like, yeah. Bitch, if we don't get to my film... I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Thank you for coming on my show. <laughs> See, I don't even take the passenger side. I don't even know what I'm doing it. I'm sorry. Wait, why just, you, let me I just wait. feel like you're... <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like you're the right person for me to talk about these things with, honestly. Unpack this shit, but you because have... Because I, I, like, I feel like it's a safe space and a learning space for myself as well. So... I'm going to back you up there. Mm-hmm. Only because, so when we talk about, I like this conversation, I feel like it's good to have with you. In my world, like, I don't think that this, like, safe space thing exists. I think it's a, for black people, especially, I think it's mm-hmm. about being more cognizant of a brave space. Mm-hmm. Because, like, there's a, there's an article that I'm referring to, but, like, safe space is, like, this um, kind of conception that, like, a space is going to be safe. But, like, for us, for mm-hmm. me, I'll speak for myself, like, as a black gay man, mm-hmm. queer man that is in touch that's trying to constantly be in touch with my femininity, my masculinity. Mm-hmm. I know that like a black all black space is not necessarily a safe space. Oh, it's just yeah. not a utopia. Yeah. Like I have a lot of friends who are like, girl, if University of Richmond's treat you the way they're treating you, why don't you just work at HBCU? And the I'm motherfucking like, lie. I'm like, at HBCU, first of all, I'm not gonna be called the faggot and y'all ain't got no money. <laughs> <laughs> like at least at University at least are you gonna cry in a Rolls Royce <laughs> or a Camry? Now, don't treat me all the way right, but they have. But they pay the bills. They okay. pay the bills. 
Now, and it's pussy talk. <laughs> now, I love HBCUs. Yeah. Yeah. But y'all can't be homophobic and ain't got no further fucking money. I'm with you. So I'm not trying to be shady, but like, that's the thing. Yeah. I have a whole dog upstairs. Mm-hmm. Pet insurance is a thing. Okay? <laughs> and so what I'm saying is like, I, I know because my body operates intersections as mm-hmm. black male, black queer male, faggot, femme, and your mm-hmm. body operates intersections too as black woman, mm-hmm. lesbian, etc. Mm-hmm. We know that just the black space is not always yeah. the utopia. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not. And so, unfortunately, I think that it's more useful for us to talk about that kind of the, the balance of the harmony between brave space and safe space because we got to be brave sometimes in these black spaces. True. I got to be brave to go to the barbershop. But you know what? The beauty with this moment for me, mm-hmm. and I completely understand mm-hmm. that, is with you, I don't feel like I need to be brave. You can mess shit up. And I can mess things up. And I know that out of love, you will correct me. Mm -hmm. You will teach me. Same to you. Yeah, Yeah, you will teach me. And so that's my thing is it isn't about the space, it's about the people in the space that make it safe. Mm -hmm. And you in this space is a a safe space for me because I know, like I said, you are the person I would want to talk to about it. Uh, And so, like, I, I oftentimes say on my podcast, like, there needs to be a space where straight people that are questioning mm. can ask the questions that may seem rude, may seem ignorant, mm. and it, they have genuinely good intentions and it not be received in a negative way. Can we unpack one then? Yeah. Because I'll, I'll, I'll be vulnerable for a moment. So mm-hmm. since I just finished um, graduate school, bitch got her PhD in May. Ha! Okay, wait, wait. Degrees. All the Caucasians to the back. (laughs) (laughs) So, since I finished grad school in May, um, you know, I've been doing, it's, I mean, it's also a pandemic, so bitches out here hoeing. Like, I've been doing (laughs) lectures, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever y'all need to, whatever you need, I'll I'll do it. And, um, podcast talks, et cetera. I have found that there is this, this thing that happens amongst, especially when I'm talking to black women, um, who are bringing me on their platforms Mm -hmm. to talk about my scholarship, my work as a professor, Mm -hmm. my podcast, whatever. The conversation always, girl, I could be giving a lecture about macaroni and cheese <laughs> and how the corners being burnt is better for your health. Ooh. And they will it definitely taste better. And they will typically find, they will always circle back or find a way to ask me about like what it's like to be like a feminine black man or like the last person that did it. Um, we both know her. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically was like, whenever I talk to you, I just feel like you have so much joy as, like, you know, a black man. And I want to know your opinion about, like, how we get straight black men to kind of have that, like, freedom and joy that you have. And I was like, well, you should run a straight black man on your show. <laughs> right. And what I feel like happens sometimes is, like, there is this, like, theme of, like, black women who are, like, waiting for Superman. Mm. And when they interview me or when they feel connected to me, um, there's always this, like wall that happens where like they're constantly trying to um connect me or or accept me by my proximity to straight black men mm-hmm. so like oh like i mean i'm not explaining it correctly but it's like i always have to explain who i am to them mm-hmm. and it it has been this thing that's been recently like bothering me a little bit because i do feel like if you bring me on your show or your platform to talk mm-hmm. about like my scholarship, my work, why are we always bringing the conversation back to like my proximity to straight black men? Like mm. how, you know, how do we get straight black men to be, her question was like, how do we get, That's straight, weird. how do we get straight black men to be like more in touch with themselves in terms of like embracing who Wait. they are, et cetera. And I'm just like, 
Well, I'm not a straight black man. Right, so I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I think, I mean, I don't understand it. I think it sounds weird as hell to me, uh, personally. But I think it's like, um, you always got that badass ghetto-ass cousin, right? Mm-hmm. And you're the one that's kind of sort of doing what you're supposed to be doing. And they mm-hmm. bring your ghetto-ass cousin, like, they'll, they'll be a good influence. Oh, yeah. And I think that that's, that's, that's where exactly what it is. <laughs> yes. yeah. But it's like, it doesn't really work like that. Why? Because he still has to go back to his environment. Mm-hmm. He still has his past, like his past traumas that have made him this way. Mm-hmm. And just being around me isn't going to make him different. Mm-hmm. It may, it may, he may see the differences, but also like, it's just weird. I just think that what they're trying to do is like, well, just talk to your people. Like, because they still see you as a man. It's like, oh, well you can, maybe it takes a man to talk to a man. I don't know what they're doing, but I think that that's the logic that they have. You know, I feel like sometimes it comes from, I just think as black folks, we don't always embrace, as I said to you earlier, embrace the ways that like queer men and cis black women, we are out here like fighting the straight black man as well. Like Mm. our stories are very similar Mm -hmm. how we've been impacted by black Mm -hmm. men. Mm -hmm. Because like at the end of the day, like if I could choose, I want to end up with a black man. Mm. Now, if I'm being real, real, like, as a kid on the playground, I was only called a faggot by straight black men. I'm sorry, but... The, but but also those that, are straight black men who may be in themselves questioning their own sexuality. Yes. Just like when you now are a kid, and I'm like... And race plays into it a lot, because white women and white men, we know, they are far more authorized and allowed mm-hmm. in society to play with their sexuality mm-hmm. and not be called mm-hmm. a faggot. Or a hoe. Not be called a hoe. Not be called a... Like, we know that period. Like, mm-hmm. I remember I ran track in high school. The boys was always touching each other. But the black men, we, as black men, I think we are conditioned to be so rigid yep. in our sexuality. Yep. Can't be feminine. Mm-hmm. Can't grow your hair out. You mm-hmm. got to have a lineup to be seen as mm-hmm. professional. Mm-hmm. Like, so I don't think that black men are allowed as young boys to explore, to hug each other, to no. kiss each other on the cheek. I like, agree. All of that. Um, and I think because I'm doing those things. I'm saying I will say I am I do feel as though at least with my friend group or my people that I see that are parents I do kind of see this a little bit of the breaking of that cycle black oh. men hugging and kissing their crying their, yeah letting their cry please yeah. the fuck shed a tear for me <laughs> so I know it's real bitch the last time a nigga told me that he doesn't cry I oh wow that was Run. my second undergrad yeah. but they still be saying shit like that oh that is a turn off You want to hear some other nasty shit? Okay, to the film. So, I recently um, started talking to this guy who is a he's a friend. He is a friend. Damn, I can't. How do I do this? Letting niggas' identities out. See, it gets sticky, don't it? He is welcome to my world. (laughs) Just to say, try not to lay the bones where they can collect them. He is close with a close friend of mine, right? And that's how we met. he shot he shoot shot his shot or okay. whatever and told me that you know we've always had this vibe and he's interested in kind of exploring more and like he wants to go on a date with me etc and I was like cool with it so I'm giving him you know the initial service mm-hmm. like the first date <laughs> not the, the initial for being romantic <laughs> bro I had I think make sure he pays for dinner not the initial service all that stuff okay and then we're on the phone like three dates later mm-hmm. talking. And he tells me some shit about how, you know, he identifies as bisexual. Okay. And when it comes to men, he want, he is only kind of in a place right now where he's just about um, kissing and cuddling with men. So I go... Well, I like that. Do you do that with 
women. Right. He's full active with he's women. He's dipping and doing it with women. But with men, he's just about kissing and cuddling. And I said, okay, well, if you were... I'm all about consent. And mm-hmm. I don't want to do nothing with nobody that doesn't yeah. do anything with me. Yeah. But at a, as th- he's 34... 34 years old. Get a grip. Okay. And so if you're Literally. identifying as bisexual, but you're putting a cap on what you do with one gender and not the other, I was like, I'm sorry, I am more interested in kind of... Well, first of all, I'm 32 years old, and I want to... You are? Yeah, I know. It's shape better. First of all, I was like... I'm thinking, like, you're so young and so accomplished. You're so young and so accomplished. Thank you. I, oh, you thought, I thought you was like, you are, like, you old-looking bitch? No, <laughs> no. I'm saying, like, you're so young and accomplished. Thank you. I'm proud of you. So when he told me that, I was like, I am interested in building a physical relationship with somebody where we are building it together. Mm-hmm. You're not doing this white man thing where you're telling me that mm-hmm. there's like a complete like it stops Wall, here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wall stops here. It sounds like you're asking me to um contribute to aiding in your oppression. Ooh. And your suppression okay. of your okay. sexuality. And okay. I'm not doing that. Okay. Because what, like... Why do you read that man like that? <laughs> because I'm trying you. Because, so, because yo, I'm working on this in therapy. You read some, this man down in two sentences. Two sentences. Uh, what did I say? I'm sorry. What did I say? Bad, Bad bitch. PhD. <laughs> Lord. And the reason why I'm that, like, direct with men is because there is some... You gotta honor how you feel. There is some kind of aura that I give off where... Men who are far more behind, who are more in the closet mm-hmm. than me, are somehow attracted to me. And I had to let him know, you know, from the jump that, like, if you're interested in only kissing and cuddling, mm. then you should be on grinder finding another nigga that has a whole wife and that is just interested okay, here's the third in sentence. kissing okay. and cuddling. Mm. Put but it in your I bio. I it clear to you. Put it, yeah. Put it, it again. Put it in your bio. <laughs> But I have made it clear to you that I am fully actualized in my sexuality right. and I'm not out here putting caps on what I do with mm-hmm. men. I want to, like, if we built a physical relationship from the, the from the ground up and we decided that kissing and cuddling is just mm-hmm. what works for us, yeah. that's cool. But don't... But you don't... I don't get to come in this relationship on your terms. Period! <laughs> yes. And I think that he's also a white man. <gasps> okay. And that's a white man thing. They come in relationships trying to dictate you know black body. Funny? You know what's funny? We can just end this conversation right here. You could have read his ass a half a sentence for me. And like, don't come in here trying to. No. And, that, and it also sounds like he's quite repressed. And like, he's a sweet guy. He's great. But like, that's not Mm-mm. something that I'm interested in because it's like, I Mm-mm. don't go on dates with people the third date and be like, oh, by the way. No. This is how it's going to no. go. First of all, I told one of my girlfriends this in our group chat today. We were talking about some shit she went through at work. And I said, look, I don't know what white people haven't caught on to yet, but 2020 is the year we ain't taking no shit. <laughs> okay? All the Caucasians yeah. to the back. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. It so, stops now! But I, I'm telling you that story because, like, that's some of the shit that I deal with. Yeah. And I'm really trying to figure out, like, what is it that I give off that lets these men think that I'm interested in them where you could be that repressed? Be honest! I'm gonna be honest. It may be the very thing that I said in the beginning yeah. of the show. It's, like, something about you. Like, like, I told you, I cannot put my finger on exactly what it is. Or maybe I could put all five fingers on it. Mm-hmm. But... Come <laughs> on, girl. mystical feeling I have about you mm-hmm. could be what is attracting these men to you. It is something about you, I'm telling you. I, mm-hmm. I literally don't know. I don't know if it's the eyelashes. I don't know if it's the, like, it's just something I literally told my wife. I was like, he is so special. The way you're talking, that's how I feel about Whitney Houston. 
Literally, when Winnie died, I mourned. Wait, didn't you post something about Winnie? Yeah, I did. <laughs> you really follow me because I'm telling yes. you. Yes. What did you? I, I grieved. Something made you, when made I, you, um. When I lost the film, I said that I was dedicating it to Yes. Me. Because I'm telling you, when all the niggas was calling me a fag on the playground and I was mm. in my room by myself with no male friends, Whitney kept Do you want to know what's funny? Whitney. The Thai lesbian that I was talking about mm-hmm. was obsessed with Whitney Houston. As a child, because I, we all know that Whitney Houston is... Yeah. We all know. But mm-hmm. that's what I think. My mother's in denial, but... I, she, <laughs> I always connected to her because I thought that she was. Oh, even wow. As a young, even as a young boy. Wow. Because when you watch the reality show... What do they call the gay... Bobby! Bobby! <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> mm, 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 mm. <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, like, I felt... I felt like a divine connection to Whitney mm. Houston because I always felt that she was wrestling with her queerness oh, wow. in the ways that I was. Mm-hmm. And as a kid... And what people want you to be. As a kid, it was Whitney, Escape, and TLC, and a little bit of Mariah. Mm-hmm. You must I, be feeling Candy's energy then, and Escape. <laughs> <laughs> you are shady! Candy was coming to the forefront Candy of that energy. have a queer vibe. Oh, no, Candy messes with women. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like, on on Housewives, she's openly... My, fa- my, uh, my favorite candy line is when she got offended by them, and she said, I could take care of every motherfucker. Okay. I think my favorite one is, the lies! The lies! <laughs> <laughs> but I am a big fan of Whitney Houston because she, she just kept me. But, yes, yeah. you're right. I mean, I do think that it is my energy, and I'm not trying to con- to suppress that or contain it because no. I want men to be attracted yeah. to Yeah. I get it. It's hard to discern, like... Almost like who's here for genuine reasons and who is just like mystified by me. Yeah, like. But when it comes to white men, it is very easy to be um, like, oh, you like this energy? First of all, white men, you gotta prove that. I need a new crow cat. Come on. You like this energy, baby? Well, my car needs some tires. Hello. That will make my energy. You you want my energy? I'm driving a 2012 Hyundai Elantra. What's up? I'm almost not laughing because you did get a new car. I did get a That was a testimony. That's a that real personal. It's okay because my wife got me up out of it. It's okay. Then another story I want to unpack with you. Mm-hmm. I'm taking, I'm taking, walk with me. I'm walking. We are going down hands the road in hands. of what it's like to be. What I, can I just tell you? I never talked to anyone like this. What do you mean? This position. I'm so like. Oh, this small ass room? No, I'm talking about this like. Intense. I oh, never, my oh, body oh. language. I never have. I'm very like always like this. I'm like literally. No, we do have that connection. And I'm just like really I'm leaning into you. Like I'm leaning into your every word.
friendships with uh, men. In particular, okay. straight men. Because straight men... Oh, we talked about this on my show. My tolerance for straight men, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm sure that some of y'all are great. And, like, I feel, I feel like it's only because of male fragility. The why few and the proud, child. It's only because of male fragility why I have mm-hmm. to be like, I'm sure that some of y'all are all trash. <laughs> but 99% of y'all are all trash. Yeah. And as a man, I can admit that, like... Hefty. Period. <laughs> and... But I have been, like, trying to... Especially in this 2020 racism era, mm-hmm. I do want to have, like, healthy relationships with straight men, mm-hmm. straight black men, etc. And I've been on that journey. I've been, like, trying to... I remember on my show you said that. But I do find that, like, when they fuck up, because I'd be expecting it to, I just be like, you know what, nigga, we can't be friends. Mm-hmm. But this is, a, this is a story about what typically happens, why I'd be like, I can't, I just cannot, because it doesn't... This... This ghetto trash I'm about to tell you about (laughs) doesn't happen to me in my friendships with femme folks and women. Okay. So, I became friends with this guy who is a fellow artist. He's really dope. Um, You probably know him through through, um, association. He's dope. We connected at one of his shows that I went to, and I wanted to be his friend, genuinely. Yeah. Um, We hung out, like, once where we smoked. He came over, we smoked, and it was was fun. It was dope. And then um, we hung out again where we went on a walk with um, some other friends and he yeah. happened to be there and it was it was great. Cool. Okay. I invited him to come over again to smoke. Mind you, this is during quarantine. So I'm okay. very selective about who I'm inviting yeah. to my house. He says that he was that he would come over and then we scheduled it for like a week out. Mm-hmm. Then the day of, I texted him like, hey, you still coming over? I have weed. Like we can still smoke yeah. and just chill. And this is only going to be the third time that okay. we hung out. So we're still kind of getting... Three is the magic number for you. Three is my lucky number. <laughs> Three is my favorite number. we're still getting to know each other. This is the third time that we hung mm-hmm. out. The day of, he says, um, yeah, me and X are on our way, which is his girlfriend. So I'm like, oh. And now I'm like, I, it, to be, I'm being vulnerable with you because I feel comfortable with you. Yeah. I'm wondering, like, how do I respond to this? Because I'm like, I don't really want you to First bring... of all, how are you going to invite somebody to my house? First of all. I don't care if it's your girlfriend or not. I just, yeah. It just felt weird. But I also didn't want to fuck up the friendship because yeah. I do have that kind of... Because you're stuck and not want to be a bitch, but it's also like, I have you can't invite people to my house. I have that vulnerability, especially with black straight men, where mm. it's like, I sometimes would want to be their friend so bad. That she'll be way more lenient. And I'm, I don't want to do that because I had a dream that all the black women in my life basically called me to tag. I swear to God, I told Mecca about this. So I, was mm-hmm. like, I had a dream a few months ago that all the black women in my life basically called me to task and was like, you need to stop being extra lenient with men because you're not doing that with us. And you're reiterating, you're reiterating patriarchy by allowing these men to do this bullshit. And now that, that I've had this dream, I've been unpacking it of like, even though I am this queer, feminine, black man, black man who loves black mm-hmm. women, am I also participating in patriarchy because I allow niggas to be niggas in my life, but I... But then when they yeah. fuck up, like, what I will, for real, for real, like, if I'm being real with you, yes. what I will do, because I have no hope for niggas, is, like, <laughs> when I hang out with a man, mm-hmm. a straight man, etc., I will make sure that at, if I am finished hanging out with him at 9 o'clock, I'll call you at 9.30 just to get that stimulation, because I know this nigga can't talk about nothing. Wow. And that's, that is not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, yeah. God damn, the bar is so low. You got me reading myself on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Okay. We don't talk about everyday black matter. I yes, promise. Yes. Mm-hmm. So this is what happens when friends get together and kiki. Yes. Yeah, so on that Sunday, I felt. Um, I felt. Let me unpack this. I felt uncomfortable to basically express what I really was feeling, which was like, hey. Because you know you want to come off as a faggot, but I yeah. want to be like, hey, I don't want you to bring your girlfriend. I wanted to just hang out with you. Yeah. But you scared that he would take it the wrong way and be like, oh, this guy's trying to. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I messaged him, and it was pretty direct, and I was like, hey, um, 
I thought that it was just gonna be you and I. I feel like you and I, this is only the third time we've hung out, so I'm still getting to know you. And like, I prefer to get to know people as individuals mm-hmm. and not get to know them like as like with their partner. Like, I'd yeah. rather it just be us. I don't, but I don't know her, and you're bringing her in my house in the middle of a fucking pandemic. He messaged back and was like, well, what am I supposed to do because we're already together? And I feel like it's kind of rude. You should have just asked a jury schedule. He's saying, I feel like, he said that I feel like it's kind of rude that uh, you're saying that she can't come. You feel like it's rude that I'm saying that somebody... The unmitigated girl. Are you serious? You feel like I'm being rude? So then... No, wait, wait, wait. Let me finish. So <laughs> oh the Gemini in me responds. I said, listen, ex, <laughs> I don't have a girlfriend. You do. I don't yeah. I don't want to hang out yeah. with you and your girlfriend. I don't, I don't care if it was your friend. I'm not interested in, in being friends with your girlfriend. Yeah. I'm interested in being friends with you, and I feel like... You ready for this? Okay. Boom, 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 pow! I feel like... Maybe you have some internal homophobia, which is why you're bringing your girlfriend as kind of like a, a buffer. Yeah. Ooh, you went right for it between you and I because that has happened to me before. Mm-hmm. Where like I can when, see you're, that. when you're bonding with what as me being as faggotry as mm-hmm. I am, I can see when that. I feel a bond between another straight man and they feel the same bond. Mm-hmm. They feel the sudden, need. All of a sudden, they're bringing their they're bringing yeah. straight women or, mm-hmm. or black women around or their girlfriend around, and it's like. But you and I, why can't we just kiki in our right. home? And right. all I want, I, he is cute and all that stuff, but he's far. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, he cute. <laughs> period. But he's far, he's far younger than me. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not, uh, I'm not gonna shade him, but like, he's just younger than me. And yeah. like, we're on different tracks yeah. in life. And like, I'm not interested in him yeah. in that way. And also, We're not like, on the same frequency, right? We're not on the same frequency. Like, mm-hmm. we're just not. And like, I want to unpack it with you because I feel like I need to get to a place where I can be like, look, nigga, I want to be friends with you, but don't bring your girlfriend when we're hanging out. I don't want to hang out with you and your girlfriend. I don't want to be the third wheel. And also, like, the answer is mm. no because it's my house. And how dare you, nigga? I still want to be friends that's with you. That's the thing you. that's weird to me. I still want to be friends with you, but how dare you call me rude by I saying, don't care who you are bringing. It's my house. your dog, if it's your girlfriend, yes. if it's your straight friend, you ask. Like, I have literally have had this conversation with my own mother. So but you don't get to thinking, this, But niggas be thinking that they could just the bring the But it's funny, when you said that you had a dream about I did. the black woman in your life calling you to task is so funny because I feel like lately it's been a conversation with a lot of black women like in my circle Mm -hmm. about calling their other girlfriends to task with this nigga can cheat on you talk Uh, to you like shit uh, and you'll be cool with him but as a friend if I mess up it was so funny that you said that because I feel like black women are having that conversation with everybody The black women are having this conversation of stop treating me different than anyone else in your life that you have relations with. It, it just, like, was crazy to me. And I feel like I can't... I cannot be this black man out here talking about how much I love black women and how much we need to respect trans women and respect the labor that black women you know, mm-hmm. give to our lives, but then also be entertaining these, like, straight black male friends where I'm putting up with this kind of fuckery mm-hmm. because I want to be friends with them. Mm-hmm. It's like, I feel I do feel like that dream was a sign of like eventually y'all gonna be like, look, nigga. I think the sign that he was really worth being a friend was when you told him that like one. I don't know if I want anyone in my home right now. If he said, "Oh damn, my bad. I didn't even think about that." Mm-hmm. That would have been the way to like clear it up. But yeah. niggas have a way of doubling down. Calling me rude. Niggas have a way of doubling down, and I find it. Um, weird as fuck. It would be different if we were meeting in a at his place or if we were yeah. in a common space and he was like... Because I don't call the shots on your place. But even still, I also, <laughs> I also feel like... Clang, clang, clang. 
I also feel like even in your space, right? I think if you're just getting to know someone and I come into your space, it's intimidating to have anyone other than who you said to be mm-hmm. there, even in your space. It's like, I love Caitlyn. Mm-hmm. She seems dope, mm-hmm. but I'm friends with you. That's like if I brought her to the podcast today. I would be like, hey girl, but... Like, Are you gonna ride around the block while we talk? <laughs> <laughs> you enjoy that new car boom, ride around the block? Miles on that bitch. Because it's just it's just yeah. awkward, and I feel like you like you on your own. You are a fabulous individual. Thank you. And so I feel like why would you think that your friends don't want to have this kind of yeah. time with you? Yeah. Period. Like I mean, as a married person lately, I've been struggling with that too. So. Oh. Like, I don't mean my wife, my mom always says, y'all do everything together. And we don't even realize we are individuals, but I think us getting married right before the world shut down (laughs) (laughs) forced us to be together all the time. And we created this pattern of always being together. But you got to be individual. Especially because you are a breakout star. Thank you. In any relationship. I have been home, but she has been working. And Uh. so... I have had to check my... And I also moved to the Wait, fucking... Wait, you been a stay-at-home mom with no kids? Look, motherfucker. And I done moved to the burbs. I am like... It took me like 38 minutes to get here. So, I am the opposite of single in the city right now. I am married and stuck in the burbs. Wow. So, I have really had to work on like getting myself out of to. that. Yeah. Of the house, even when she's not working or whatever. Because sometimes I would find myself like just being home and doing work. And then I'm like, oh, well... Because, like I said, when we got married, as soon as we got married, we were just forced to be with each other all the time. And we just enjoyed doing things with each other. So now that the world is starting to slowly open back up, I can see where she is kind of like, what's happening? Because that became our norm, you know what I mean, of us being together or whatever. Like, today she didn't ask to come, but, like, I can just tell certain things. Like, I have the studio in my home. And so sometimes when my guests are ready to go, I'm like, they're like, oh, I'm about to go to someone. So I'm like, you know what? go with you and she's kind of looking like but what about no girl yeah and so I think that that's something like harmony exactly I think that that's something like I can't blame her because Mm -hmm. we started out we got married really quickly but and we had our own lives and our own schedules then but so quickly everything changed and we just we've had more time together in quarantine than we did knowing each other before it's interesting because like I hear what you're saying do I have Carmex in my bra I pray god I do no. I hear what you're saying, mm-hmm. but I can't relate because the Gemini in me, like, I am my own best friend. Mm-hmm. I could be around the coolest bitch in the world, but I love being by myself. Mm-hmm. That's why the dog sleeps upstairs, because I'm like, <laughs> get the mm-hmm. fuck out of my space. Like, mm-hmm. I love being with just me. Yeah. I, it has taken me a lot of therapy and a lot of years of, like, looking in the mirror and being like, I love the bitch that I see in the mirror. Mm-hmm. To the point where I really value my alone time. So even if I'm in a relationship, I know that when I get married, I won't lose sight. My personality is just a big personality. Right. There are sometimes where I just need to recharge by myself. Right. And I think y'all's relationship is beautiful, but, but I think because you know, the, But also, too, because of her schedule, I'm actually alone a lot of times. Mm. Um, she works 12-hour shifts, two days on, two days off. Yeah. So I have a lot of time to myself. But I wanted to ask you something really quick because you were like, what? Well, let me wrap it up with this. All I'm saying is, like, I love you, and I think Caitlyn is dope. Yes. But, bitch, if you come into my house, Absolutely. let me know. Oh, of course. Don't just pull up with her. But that's just having some decorum, honestly. Period. That, so, that was in other tacky. words, sir, I still want to be friends with you. <laughs> Learn. Some decorum. Do better. <laughs> period. Do better. Do better. That, that, like that, is, that should be a class for <laughs> black men. Just do, do better. better. We love y'all. We do love better. you. Do love better. You. Just do better. Thank you.
associates. Uh, I felt as though she identified, like... Oh, go ahead. The gay and blackness, right? Mm -hmm. So, for example, if we were like, oh, let's meet up and go out, she'll say, let's go to this place. The DJ's gay. Let's go to this place. The the they make the sushi rolls in rainbow colors, right? And She's every very corporate pride. <laughs> it's so annoying. And so like every day, I already we already know when we see her, she's gonna have something pride on. Is she white? She's black. She's black. It's weird. It's weird. And so me and Caitlin wow. kind of operate in this space of we don't care if the DJ is gay or if he's straight. We want to go where the DJ's hot. Like we care about the music. And that's what I meant by she puts this gay. It's almost like we question if she's really Brand, gay. Branding. She's branding. Yes. Wow, we question if she's really a lesbian or trying to convince herself that she is. Hey, um, do I know her? Because I don't want to get dragged. I don't think you do. I don't want to get dragged. Black Matter is not as big a signal in the city. So I don't want to get dragged. Oh, We man. might get shut down. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, now, you know what? I've only been dragged one time. Really? That was by my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> because I said something about, like, I didn't. I didn't feel comfortable yet saying them or they. They, them. They, they, them. And the reason I said not, I didn't feel comfortable because they told me. And I said, no, this is not true. I didn't feel comfortable because I couldn't get my um, language, my grammar right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I had to train. Grammar rooted in racism. I had to train. What I'm saying is I had to train myself mm-hmm. and relearn. Okay. And so I used the wrong term in saying, like, I am not acquainted to speaking and thinking in that you're way. You're learning. You're learning. And I was learning. And she was like, you can't be saying him. I'm like, God mm-hmm. damn. I got dragged and ripped to shreds. By who? My girlfriend. Oh, just that person. Oh. Yeah, just that person. But, a, but you never been, like, dragged. But she told me I was going to get dragged, honey. Oh, no, no. But, I mean, I was like, look, Grace. That's my favorite word, Grace. 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 I'm like, and I always say, like, I had this conversation with one of my But I'll be real. I'll give a, I will give a lot of grace to black women because y'all are the backbone of our community. But ask me to give grace to a black man. I'd be like, get in line. This may be one of my pet peeves. White gay men. Are still white men. Are still white men. But it's so offensive to me that I always, I oftentimes feel as though they are a caricature of black women. They steal from black women. Yes. Oh, 100%. It's so offensive. It is like this Neely, caricature so, yeah. of like, child, it's a ratchet. Like, I don't like that. No. But then if I say it, it's ghetto. That's and, why the LGBTQ community, you know, there's an episode on, the, on my podcast on season one where we talk, I don't know what episode it is, but me, Madison, and um, one of our friends, I'm forgetting who it was, Aaron, Aaron McIntosh, we talk about the importance of defining yourself as, like, gay versus queer. And, mm-hmm. like, gay is kind of, like, thinking about, like, gay white men, like, corporate pride. Like, mm-hmm. And we have a rainbow cake on my birthday, and, like, we are so here for the community right. in June. And, like, we take sponsorships from Capital One. But how do you show up any other way? Even though Capital One don't hire no black or trans people. Like, and you're you're hitting on a really important point about, like, our community is not a monolith. Mm-hmm. And I do feel that, like, white gay men are rarely hold accountable for the ways in which mm-hmm. that, like, they are still white men. Mm-hmm. And, and they still have privilege. Like, all privilege. of these gay rights like, are were made for them. And also gay, you know, marriage in gay communities, like, sometimes is about, like, this, look at us, we're heteronormative. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love what you and Caitlin have, but that's mm-hmm. not really, I don't aspire, I'm not really into monogamy. Mm-hmm. I don't think it works. Yeah. Um, but I think I think it works for women because I think that women can Naturally have self control, yeah. mm-hmm. and I think that women have um, have learned to be more in touch with their emotions mm-hmm. to understand like 
my emotions are connected to my self-control so that mm-hmm. I don't hurt this person. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that a lot of men can do monogamy. Which is why niggas nig. Niggas nig. And, <laughs> and like, I would rather be in a relationship where, like, we go out to a bar and you say, I am dancing with this guy and I want to go home and suck his dick, but I am in love with you. But mm-hmm. he... And I'd rather us have that conversation yeah. and decide if, like, yeah, girl, you should do that mm-hmm. versus, like, being cheated on. Yeah. I been cheated on yeah. in a relationship once <laughs> where I didn't, I mean, she, I mean, I'm sure I've been cheated on more, but a relationship. I've been cheated on every relationship. A relationship where I really didn't know that he was cheating oh. is that's the one where I cheated. And I never, ever, ever wished it on anybody, and I never, ever want to experience that hurt again. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather be in a non-monogamous relationship. Now, when I say I'm in a non-monogamous Cheating is so normalized to me. When I but black women is so normalized. True. And when I say that I'm non-monogamous, it doesn't mean that I will be in a relationship where we're fucking all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. It just means I want to be in a relationship where if those other desires come up, we talk we about can it. We talk about it. And we address and it. And there's an open mind. And it's not repressed. Mm-hmm. Because when it's repressed with niggas, Ooh, they don't repress child. it. They It'll go, end up with you depressed. Right? Okay. Period. So, I like this question that you're getting at because I do feel like there are some of us who are gay, mm-hmm. which is like the pride and the rainbow teacher. Right. <laughs> and some of us are like, girl, that shit is not for me. Yeah, like what? Like I just couldn't imagine. She like, just sounds like she needs more black friends. Like when I say black friends, she needs black black friends. I'm I'm I'm, I'm booked. <laughs> the fuck? I'm booked. That's exhausting. You're older than me. I don't know. I don't know her that well. I do know that, like, her dad, like, she's Jamaican. Well, she just, she may not be in, I mean. She was married to a man. Jamaican communities can be very homophobic. Yeah. So maybe she just wasn't able to be in touch with her black. She was married to a man. She left her husband for this woman, and they've been together for, like, probably, like, 10 years. Is the woman also very corporate pride, too? Mm, No. Mm -mm. I mean, she's really laid back. I don't know, girl. Look. Everything ain't gotta be a rainbow and everything. Like I said, I am led by the aesthetic and the vibe. Like, I'm not talking about, like, for me, we were just like that. We thought it was so weird that she's like, no, I wanna go here because the DJ's gay. But the music is way. We are up drinking these drinks with this dry but you think music. But spaces like 2 triple O, et cetera, where there's still hood niggas there. Yeah. How do they, do they still try to, like, talk to you? And how do you... It's deal? funny. I don't know if it's quarantine, but nobody has tried to talk to me since I've been married. Good. That's good, right? Is it? <laughs> I mean, goddamn, oh, I feel like I got it. I feel like Aisha Curry. I feel you, sis. Goddamn. I understood. Slide in the DM so I can say no. I understood what Aisha was saying. <laughs> I did, too. One thing that definitely threw people off with me being married to a woman is because I'm very straight presenting. And my energy is, I think, very... You are. When I tell we people... Have a, we have a closed... If you're closed-minded, like... When people... But I think the, because you know me in a, a more... In the radio. Yeah. Radio. You know me in a different capacity. But I think just looking at me, people are shocked that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm married to a woman. Like, really? People were shocked that I dated a white man for so long because... I... Want so. Want so. I needed help. I understand. I always say, when you go white, your credit get right. No, but, like, jokes aside, there is a thing about, like, the wokest black people all oh, yeah. have white men. Yeah. Kamala Harris. And um, Van Jones. He's not a, he's not a, um, Van Jones. The guy on CNN has a white man. But, you know, that brings it to a, a why, different discussion. Why is that? And it's so funny because it, it, I'm going to tie in everyday black matter to this, right? Mm-hmm. I... I mean, white people find it every day, but I'm just saying. Okay, let me make sure I say this the right way. 
So I have had this conversation a million times over. I know. I've heard heard it on your podcast. About who? All right. So I went into a space, a predominantly black space, Mm -hmm. and I was asked to host something. Kind of an Afrocentric vibe, right? Um, But I showed up as me. I showed up as me. They be real respectable. Let me say, I love blonde hair. Blonde hair is my favorite thing on myself. Period. Blonde hair. Um, you can do it all. I love to wear my face beat. I love lashes. I love all of that. And these faux locks this, are cute. Thank you. I did them myself. Well, I didn't mean to say faux locks. What? The locks is cute. They could be yours, bitch. <laughs> bitch. Uh, oh, yeah. They were mine. What? Somebody asked me how long it took me. To, they're like, how long have you been locking your hair? I was like, two days. <laughs> my business. Period. All the Caucasians to the back. I said black girl magic. E- okay. Um, but... It's, I went in this space as myself, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I went with my blonde hair. I went as me, mm-hmm. who I am. Mm-hmm. And in this space, everybody's wearing, got their hair wrapped, or they're wearing their natural, they've got their kente cloth and everything. And for some odd reason, they thought that that made them more black. No. than me. That's why I said black spaces are not utopias mm-mm, or are mm-mm. square folks. And I could tell, I mean, the looks were piercing. The energy. Yes. Why and did so, we do that? You know, and first of all, I was like... That's some everyday black matter shit. I have processed hair, but not a processed mind boo. Okay, mm-hmm. so don't let the hair fool you. First of all, there are natural blondes that are black. Mm-hmm. So this, is, this could be my natural and hair. And I think color. that, like... All black people, we all like we do it best when it comes to playing. Yeah, our hair. it's our creativity. Like, yeah, it's inherent. It's, we're innovative. We exactly. Are, we are but I was like, I mean, I could tell, and I even mentioned it to the person that was throwing the event or whatever. And it was. What weird. did they say? What was their response? It was kind of weird because there was a little bit of like, um, yeah, but you have like these short shorts. I'm like, well, they be they be a little respectable. They be following the rules sometimes. Um, fuck them rules. Mm-hmm. My thing is because those rules were created to keep black people in a box, and the people who fit in the box. I saw a lot of rules broken there, in my opinion. Like what? Um, if we want to talk about fashion faux pas, you know what I'm saying? Some rules was broken, but I just found it really interesting that I mean, I always talk about like even my hair, how I am received. Oh, I can't, I couldn't keep the niggas off me when I wear my hair blonde. You said white, that, yeah. Black, I mean, especially white men. Um, but relating to everyday black matter, when you were talking about hair mm. and how people, white people ask these questions about your hair, mm. black people do the same shit to you. Mm. And they use your hair as this like marker of how black you are. Are you natural? If you weren't, we relaxer shaming, like let people wear their hair how they want. That That is not any type of like marker of how black a person is. As long as the relaxer is not damaging your yeah, shit. Yeah, like it's not baby hair, it's breakage. At some point. Yeah. Know <laughs> <laughs> the difference. No me. But you know, in the film, at the beginning, we talked about the relaxer and you all tried to uh, colonize, etc. Did you catch that I showed that scene, um, the cell phone pictures of the Asian-owned mm-hmm. black Oh, don't get me started there. Because the reason why I did that is because in 2020, I feel like like, let's be real. Asian folks need to be dragged in terms of how Absolutely. they sell our shit. Absolutely. They profit off of our shit. And they be the... I'm not saying... When I say they, I don't... I'm not making a generalization of all Asian people, but I'm talking about, like, the yeah. Asian businesses. They that set I up shop in, our, in the and our, they and drive shop, back to the business. And they be rude as fuck Look, to black people. I'm a shop... I'm gonna I'm I'm put some names on it. Not a piece of black soul, but somewhere that I've been tearing up the food lately. America's Best... 
What's that? It's a wing spot. They sell like wings, mm-hmm. sandwiches, all kind of stuff like that. And they set up in like predominantly black areas, but you can't get a fucking smile out of them. And the line is out the fucking door mm-hmm. to get food. I'm like, y'all want to set up in our neighborhood, but we can't even get a fucking hello or customer service. The customer, they be anti-black. Is what yes. I'm and, it's, and, and it roots in, not to sound all academic, but it's mono-minority status. Mm-hmm. Like Asian folks are able to assimilate closer to whiteness. Mm-hmm. And so the way that they... Um, kind of create their survival is by treating black people the way that mm-hmm. they see white people treat black mm-hmm. people. But the difference with them is like, then why the fuck Would are you all come your in here? Like beautiful, for example. Oh, they be rude to us. Mm-hmm. But all your shit, all your product is catered to black women. It's catered to black women. So like, you need to get some appreciation yes. for your motherfucking customer base, yes. bitch. Yes. Like, so that's why we did that with that's why we did that for the beginning of the I film. totally feel that when, it's oh it's so crazy when I bought these locks because I did get them from beautiful shame on me. But Oh yeah, me too. I had to do what I had, <laughs> I had to do what I had to do. Okay, look. That's how I feel about all these all my white friends be like, don't shop at Amazon, don't buy your books at Amazon. I'm like, bitch, I wait. <laughs> now wait a minute. Now Jeff Bezos ain't done nothing to me. Can we talk about this? Yeah, no, I, and I get it, but it's like you have to be very privileged to to buy completely small business. And let me say something to black folks. Like, buying black does not mean $50 for a t-shirt. Mm. <laughs> no, I might get dragged for that. <laughs> now, I will support y'all, but I, bitch, I just y'all came out of grad school a y'all year ago. too much. Y'all doing too yes. much. Okay. Because I, I love buying black, but just don't... Like, Tax I, motherfuckers. But one thing I will say about that too, and it's funny because I was... Every time I leave beautiful, I leave pissed off. I, ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I leave pissed off. I, I gave them my money. I'm like, yo, they just set up and fucking. I went to the one on Hull Street. So I'm like, they just set up and made a bigger store in Southside or whatever. And they're rich. And I was like, the I family must be oh, rich. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I cannot. I was like, you don't see as many black beauty supply stores. And I said, but you know what's unfortunate is that black people can't get the loan to have the inventory to have this store like a store of this capacity so, so they have to charge more because and then they have a limited selection like there was this beauty supply store I was gonna go to and I was like damn but beautiful's gonna have more selection of colors it is such a nuanced experience it's such a it's, nuanced uh, thing but I needed my faux logs <laughs> and passion to say it real bad real motherfucking bad wait how did this relate to everyday black matter because you were talking about hair in the beginning mm-hmm. and like hair is something like I told you my mom is a, a hairstylist mm-hmm. and so even myself like I always say I accidentally became natural mm-hmm. my mom is the old school hairstylist relaxer you know what I'm saying like straight hair she gives you like she does natural hair but she really is kind of like oh, lord please don't come up here with too much, too much natural hair she's like it's too much work right my mom all the time you used to ask me, like, when are you going to get a relaxer? Like, really? my mom doesn't, my mom growing up, she did, even through college, she did my hair every two weeks. But is there a way to get a relaxer that is healthy? Yeah, you can have healthy hair with a relaxer. You can have healthy hair with a relaxer. Okay. Most definitely. I mean, people are doing them at home and breaking them off or not having professionals do them. Mm-hmm. And that's where they're getting fucked up. But, mm-hmm. I mean, even... Just, like, certain things, like, looking at the beginning of, like, laying, where you had a scene or a clip where the woman was laying back in the bowl, right? In the shampoo bowl. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow. That one moment meant a lot to me because I'm like, wow, I just remember, one, my first job was my mom's shampoo girl. Yeah. Secondly, um, my mom has had her own business my entire life. Um, But secondly... The hair salon for a lot of black women was the only luxury that they had. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the shampoo was their favorite part. Mm. I used to make motherfucking money 
shampooing. Like I had it down pack, like mm. massaging the temples. But a lot of black it's women did. It's a space of joy. Yeah, and and you get to like be away from your fucking kids. Yeah. And it was the well, I was one. In the, I was in the waiting room. My homework. <laughs> it was the one luxury. Mm that you could afford to have. That's beautiful. And so seeing that lady lay back in the bowl made me think of like all of the black women that have laid in the bowl of my mom's chair and like I mean we're in a different era where black women are normalizing luxury and self care. And self care, but before that the hair salon was that. I think that a lot especially when I did the Don't Touch My Hair film, I think that a lot of black women um salon owners like they need there needs to be like a Grammy award for them in terms mm-hmm. of like they don't realize when you think about racism and the fact that black women experience racism, patriarchy and are single mothers, etc. Um, I think a lot of black women salon owners don't realize that they are creating these like sacred spaces. And what does it look like for like libraries and universities to be like archiving these spaces mm-hmm. as such? Because mm-hmm. it is like knowledge that's being built there. There there are cultural I spaces. Think it, I think it it, it shows itself in, in other ways, maybe not like um, literal ways, mm-hmm. but like I went to HBCU. My dorm had a hair salon in it. Yeah. My dorm, I, there was two actually. My dorm had like a, and there's a, there's a, a space self-service of, salon. There's a space of comfort. Like when you walk, even me, like when I walk into a barbershop or a beauty salon, mm-hmm. there is just like, you know, no stranger. No. Because I could be from. I like, met so many bitches in that little mini uh, salon in our, we had an actual salon mm-hmm. where students could get their degree and their license to do hair at the same time mm-hmm. on campus. But for the students that like wanted to just like, you want to wash your girlfriend's hair. And so many women were like coming from New York and Maryland and it's like wow these bitches from Baltimore do their hair different and they would like set up a little shop mm. in these salons like it's part of the experience mm. and I was like wow like it doesn't show itself like in history books like it should it but doesn't. it definitely shows itself in, a, in the experiences you not going to a black school the first thing you're like who gonna do my hair that's so you know what I mean? true no you're right you're right a comment that I got from a friend after seeing the film is they were saying I love that you are focusing all these different issues that black people experience through the lens of like hair and centering mm-hmm. hair because like when I watch the film it makes me he said that it makes him realize how like beautiful black hair is mm-hmm. and how nuanced it is but like it shows how silly it is that like it's constantly policed and the reason why it's constantly oh, policed silly as fuck. is because it's so fucking dope like just the way that we can like change our whole yeah and even my hair why do envy that shit they do and like and they envy the I think they envy the fact that like they don't have that kind of space like mm-hmm. my hairstylist shout out to Kenya Renee who has mm-hmm. been um doing my hair forever she's on Instagram at dare to be beautiful or dare, dare to be different um mm-hmm. on Instagram She's been doing my hair since I started my PhD program. Okay. And now that I, you know, I just graduated, I feel like even in the traditional kind of graduation space, there's not a space in the professional graduation mm-hmm. ceremony to be like, you know what? Shout out to my black ass hairstylist. <laughs> she um, does hair out of her apartment. Mm-hmm. She has a three-year-old son. You know, I'm living in Richmond when I don't have my family here. Right. My family's in Connecticut. Like, every month I get to see her. I'm seeing her son grow. Yeah. And just like... I show up at Kenya's place looking a hot motherfucking mess. Leave having like my favorite fucking Dunkin' Donuts. Like, mm-hmm. I be texting her like, girl, I'm running late. But since I'm running late, what you want for Dunkin' Donuts? Mm-hmm. And we, we eat junk food together. We talk about, you know, men. We talk about our wives. I get an update on, yeah. on what it's like for her, you know, raising a three-year-old mm-hmm. son. And she talks about how, like, you know, she was working in a salon. And, like, there were all these women that were like, girl, you can work here. You can bring your baby. And as soon as he cries. It's a problem. It's a problem. We want you to have a quiet baby. Yeah. And so we, we just unpacked so much about our mm-hmm. lives and when I really look back on it like 
Kenya's not named in my quote unquote dissertation or my scholarly writing, right. but like but that, she shows up. that space that she held for me mm-hmm. while I was in grad school mm-hmm. to show up with the dandruff, like girl, mm-hmm. what is happening what is here? Happening? And we do the hair washing and then I go to class after like, I just feel like we don't, and this can be my own flaw, but we don't have enough space to just like think those everyday black yeah. experiences and my how my village was built in that hair salon yes like literally like even today um when i needed some financial counseling my mom was like i have a client but i've known her since i was like five and she helped me like get my credit and shit together you know what i'm saying when i went to college my mom had a customer every well, actually when i was in high school and i was in college every month she gave me a hundred dollars actually every other week she gave me a hundred that's a customer or a sugar mama <laughs> She's a customer. Every, I mean, like she, I, I started calling her on beaches. You know what I'm saying? Like, but she, I've known her my whole life. I like that salon was my village. When my mm. mom couldn't do for me, like even at times like it's being a, village. a working it. stylist, sometimes like my mom's healthcare would lapse, right, for us or whatever, because she was trying to make ends meet. Like she's running a salon. She, had my, my parents were going through a divorce. Money was like. I remember the exact moment where it was like, oh, the wells are getting dry. What's going on? And my mom, once again, that village, there was, shout out to Dr. K, um, Black Dennis Tina K? Yes, Tina K. My mom did Tina, uh, Miss Tina's hair. And Oh, her, Angelique's friends with Tina K's daughter, right? Simone, yeah. Tina K has been working at University of Richmond. Forever. Um, <laughs> but Miss Tina was like, yeah, they're dope. They're my mom kind of told Miss Tina what was going on, and she said, Bring them babies up in there to get their teeth clean and get whatever they need done. And Where? Her husband is a dentist. Oh, so yeah. So he was my dentist, and my mom never had to worry about, like, wow. no matter my financial situation. That's black love. And my mom was like, I can't let you do this for free. My kids can go there, and I'll do your hair. Wow. And exchange in that barter. And so that's what I mean. Like, my mom's hair salon was, like, my village. I love it. It kept me afloat when, like I said, that same situation was, like, if our health care lapsed. She had a client that was um, a nurse practitioner. She would do our physical so we could go back to school. And the fun- I love black people. I love black people. Yeah, I like, really do. And that's why I cannot have this like vision that people try to say that black people don't give and black people we don't. We do. And we Period. do. I've seen. I've, we like, build I community living witness that my mother would not have been able to raise my brother and I if it were not for the help of the people that were helping her. We're gonna take a break. We're going to come back and talk about Everyday Black Matter. Yes! Before we get into Everyday Black Matter. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to have our Caucasian woman moment for a second. So we both just got puppies. Yeah! So tell me all about Belarus, and I'll tell you all about Dr. Okay. Bob. Okay, Belarus is a uh, Caton de Nature. Ooh, um, what the hell does that mean? It literally means cotton dog, basically. In cotton French. dog? Yeah, it's cotton in French. A, a Caton de Nature and a Shih Tzu. Okay. And she was a gift to my wife for her birthday. Um, that you got her. That I got her. You. It's we, her first dog. She said that on First Sunday. dog ever. Um, I have had another dog before my grandmother kidnapped it. That you gave up for adoption to your mom? No. Um, it was a kidnap with no ransom. <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no chance I'm ever going to get that dog back. Hmm. I just play my uh, play my position, go for my visitation. Um, but she had never had a dog before. And... 
this her birthday's in March, so it was right when quarantine she started. She's Aries. Yeah. And so I was like, I gotta find a dog. We had been like almost scammed a couple times because I mean niggas making hustles out of dogs. And so um I found Belarus and she got her name because that's where my wife is from. Mm-hmm. Cute. Yeah, so I gave it to her in her birthday. No, I have to go there with Belarus. What? You need to go to the country with the dog. Oh, oh, oh. we know it's funny because uh because she's adopted, she doesn't know any of her family. And so we um, actually just actually did ancestry. So we were supposed to go to Belarus in August, actually, but the Rona. Um, so we are. Oh, sorry. No, you're fine. We should know like October 13th, I think it is. Uh, who about you know her history? That's beautiful. Or whatever. So like That's even though, to do that with with your partner. You want to do some racist shit? What? On her birth certificate because she was born in Belarus. So where it says race, it says Belarusian gypsy. Not gypsy. Her race is gypsy. So whoever wrote that, you was a hot mess. Right. That's so bad. for those that don't know, because I didn't know where Belarus was before I met. I, I still don't know. I had never heard of it. Belarus means old Russia. It was a part of the Soviet Union. So I was like, hold up, is this a white woman? No. Come on with your history lesson to uh, Black Matter podcast. You know, look, we some dumb hoes out here. Look, because first of all, once I found out, I said, now I got to know what's going on. <laughs> um, but Belarus, um, she's brown. My wife is brown. So I guess they just said she was a gypsy mm. because I mean she may be gypsy. I said, bitch, you may be black. Who knows? So anyway, um, Does she want to find her birth family. She's kind of like on the fence about it. Um, you know, she knows she has sisters. Mm. You know, it's really interesting, and I feel like we connected on so many levels, which is why I wanted to give her Belarus. It sounds weird. She's a dog, but creating like this space of family for her yeah, because she grew up with a gr- amazing family. Um, but her family's white. And so, like, it's important to feel like you belong to, to the family culture. that you're in yeah. and a culture. But are they white people that celebrate, like, their ethnic identity? Like, are they Italian? or? Um, they from Harrisonburg. And, <laughs> I mean, They don't like, celebrate no culture? Um, her, well, actually, her father is from, uh, Pennsylvania. He's, like, almost kind of, like, Italian. grew up almost like Amish. Okay. Um, so. They make good fudge. And butter. And amazing and butter. And they can breed a dog, honey. And do. <laughs> um, so, but she grew up in Mennonite. It's called Mennonite. And so she just never really, like, she loved her parents, but she never really oh, felt. Mennonite? I grew up like that, too. <laughs> Mennonite? <laughs> Get the fuck. I've never even heard of Mennonite. But it's, it's I, have, I had never heard of that shit. So she, like, went to private Mennonite school. She was just like, I, they forced you. She I went, went to, to private school. Mennonite school, too, girl. You lying. Oh! <laughs> As a matter of fact. I'm done. I'm done. I have my blonde moment. You see, that's the problem. You led this segment with, we'll have our And the thing about, we were talking about dog. PSA. Have it. PSA. I don't know what hoes in Jackson Ward are Uh-oh. selling pussy. But, and when I say pussy, I mean with a B. Bussy. Uh-oh. Because oh ever God. since I got my dog, oh I have been walking... I was walking Bozzy the other night, and I had my longer braids mm-hmm. in. And this hood nigga, straight passing, was like, I like your hair. You don't hear me talking to you? Oh, first sure. of all... First of all, this is aggressive. This is a, the you most don't aggressive, hear me talking to you. This is the most aggressive compliment me, I've ever had. It has happened to me three times in the past couple months within Jackson Ward. But well, bust it wide open. Please, bust it wide open, but please be mindful of the girls who just want to walk their dog at night. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yeah, that's my puppy love. Belarus is really sweet. She literally barely barks. Um, she's so different than my other dog. And Bozzy barely barks, and you see he goes to bed by 9.30. Yeah, he's a Bozzy bougie. He really is a Bozzy bougie. 
how has like having a dog um, shifted or like made your relationship different? Mm, like I said, we got married so fast. We're married in February. But having a dog together, you learn shit about each other that you can't learn when you're just married. You know. Because you're raising it, whole To be animal. honest, it kind of confirmed what I already knew about her or thought I knew about her. Who's a disciplinarian? You seem like you're me. a dog. Yeah, me. Bitch, get off my shoe. She is <laughs> patient. Nothing grosses her out. Um, she is... Dog shit don't gross me out. You know why? Because dog I, shit don't gross me I only feed him what he's supposed to eat. Mm-hmm. So when he does shit, I'm like, oh, it's just... Yeah, dog shit doesn't gross me out. But when I say, like, nothing grosses her out, like, when she started her period, I was like, what the fuck is gonna happen? Um, but she, for me, it kind of just, it allowed me to see, I think with her job, she has to guard so much of her feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and she always feels like she needs to. Well, that job is built on like upholding toxic masculinity. Yeah, definitely. But especially being a woman and being gay and being brown, you know. Are they gay friendly though? Her colleagues? Yeah. But. The higher up is not. Of course not. You know what I'm saying? Um, Same thing with the university. Yeah, so I think it has allowed her to have a space where she can be soft. Aww. And, like, hair. Really, like, I think she's a nurturing and caring person, but with her type of job, she can't be hands-on and caring as she wants. She has to show her care in other ways. Mm-hmm. And this allows her... So the dog her, really helps. The dog allows her to physically be able to touch and be... I get it. Mm-hmm. For those that don't know... My wife's a police officer. I read between the lines. Yeah, she's a police officer. But, look, when I say that, I mean, ooh, oh, 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 we can't make sure that. You can't make, just don't let Bozzy pick I was going to say, we can't let Bozzy have that. <laughs> um, when I say that, I mean, we found $100 on the ground. And we were like, ooh, we have crab legs Sunday, every Sunday. We were like, ooh, ooh. crab legs Sunday is paid for, bitch. About the rich white man in Carpool that didn't even know he dropped $100. $100? Wow. $100 bill. It was $100 bill. And so, one night, this was like in the height of the George Floyd protest. This young guy got pulled over. I don't know if she can get in trouble for this, but I don't think so. Um, he got pulled over. His license was suspended. And her partner, or not her partner, but she was the backup to somebody. And the person, she was like, they were a little less than considerate. You know what I'm saying? It's four in the morning, or three in the morning. Oh. It's a young guy. And he's getting off work from Wendy's. With all that's going on, this young kid is still going to work. This guy's going to work. He's just trying to make a way. He's got a rejection sticker on his front window, and his license is suspended. The only reason you have your license suspended is because of money. He doesn't have the money. He's trying to work. Clearly, he's driving. It's a poor tax. Right. So, he was like, you better not move this car. Who said that? Uh, The person that she was back up for. So, she was like, maybe like 20 minutes later, she circled back around. He was still sitting there. Aww. And she's like, this don't make no damn sense. And he's like, she said, where do you live? And he said, I live in Rico. She said, well, I can't take you to Rico, But I'm going to take you to the highway. I'm going to follow you to the highway. In the cop car. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow you to the highway. Here's $100. Get your inspection stick. That's the type of wife that I have. Equity. You know what I'm saying? And so she's like, that's some asshole shit to do. Yeah, period. You know, like... Well, the system is built on asshole shit. Right. And so, don't get it wrong. Um, I'm married to Caitlyn, not RPD, so fuck that other shit. I know that my wife, it breaks her heart. You know what I'm saying? Like, everything that's going on as far as, like, she's like... Like, the whole thing with Louisville today, she was like, Louisville with Breonna Taylor. She's watching it, and she's like... They deserve it. They oh. deserve that city to be burned the fuck down at this point. They are pay- they are reaping what they sow. Like, give this woman justice. You know what I'm saying? So, 
I mean, I know that police officers have a bad rep, and I ain't speaking for all police officers. She but, still deserves justice. But I'm just like, you know, my wife was just as devastated today as I was. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, nonetheless, I feel like the dog has allowed her to be able to release that. A lot of those feels. A lot of those feels that she wants to she wants to share, mm-hmm. but she's not able to literally reach out and touch somebody. Mm-hmm. That way of joining at work is... I found a hundred dollars. Let me give it to this man. I mean, I was struggling with, with kind of, um, being a workaholic and, you know, as an academic, it's like, it never ends. In 2020, I realized like I'm becoming successful in a way that is like by white people's definition Mm -hmm. and I'm not centering my joy and like whether I can afford it or not. I have, I have one of the dogs since I was like 16 years old. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, why the fuck am I like putting off? something that I want and Mm -hmm. desire so that I can have a PhD or so that I can be legible in these white bullshit spaces Mm -hmm. that we're learning and we know don't give a fuck about us. Right. And so getting the dog has been a way for me to be like, you know what? I'm only going to spend two hours on this shit and then I'm going on a walk. Mm -hmm. And it has been so humbling to be like, it's not that serious, bitch. It's not that serious. Like, as black folks... We are going through some crazy shit in this mm-hmm. year, a lot of emotional shit. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there's somebody that looks at me every day. It's like, nigga, let's just go on a walk. Yes. Fuck this shit. I mean, funny or niggas. even funny just niggas. Hello. I used to be like, yo, white people and they dogs are crazy, but now I get it. And I use it to, to take away from. I'd be like, I'm sorry, Mr. Bent, Mr. White Man, <laughs> I can't come in today because Bossy, Bossy don't feel. He don't feel good. <laughs> and I felt that. <laughs> They feel that more than if you say your mama don't feel good. He had diarrhea yesterday. And I was Ooh, like, child. I'm not, I'm Dog like, diarrhea is the worst. He had that. And he only did it outside. But he had mm-hmm. that. It was my fault because I exercised him too hard. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I ain't doing shit today. Body don't feel good. Period. Because <laughs> that's how they be. Yep. Period. That's Period. exactly how they be. Period. He's my emotional support. I need to be here for him. <laughs> for real. It's time for the reciprocity. Body's cookies are good. <laughs> I'm, this is my show. I'm telling you, his dog treats are pumpkin. No cookies as well. Well, I've only done that one time. I give him my child nothing that I ain't tried. I, I get it. I grew up around Caribbean women who were like, my mother would be like, come here, come here. Like, you know, she tried, she she bite the chicken up and mm-hmm. put it in your mouth. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my grandma did that. Mm-hmm. Like a little bird. That's yeah, how I feel with him. Like, when I first got him, I was like, well, I want to know what he's eating. I'm my, getting my grandma better. makes My grandma makes uh, glitter soup. Well, I'm barely, I'm barely hanging on to making food for my wife. Okay, she had to call me. She had to call me to the carpet. Yes, honey. Wait. <laughs> I want that drop. <laughs> I'll give you that one. I want that drop. <laughs> Everyday Black Matter. Yes. What questions do you have for me? How did you feel about the film? Hmm. Then we're going to wrap up. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Because I have my own feelings about what the do-rag represents. Mm-hmm. What does the do-rag represent? Besides a bomb-ass styling that I feel like Solange Knowles would want. <laughs> dope. Shout out to Shasha Williams. Those are dope. She I love the do-rag. Um, and she did those within like two days. So wow. She's fat, fat. Um, the do-rags represent different things for different black folks. Mm-hmm. But for me, personally, 
it represents like uninhibited blackness. Okay. And it represents like um, the ways in which like I have constantly been called like you know flamboyant, mm-hmm. faggot, too much. Mm-hmm. Black women are always called too much. Mm-hmm. And because we're often called too much for the way that we show up as ourselves, the way that we wear our hair, mm-hmm. the way that we constantly change our hair to feel and um, express more parts of ourselves mm-hmm. that we're learning as we go in life. The do-rags was about, like, scaling all that up. Okay. And another thing with the do-rags for me that um, was a through line for the project is, like, you know, a do-rag is this thing that really can tell you a lot about, like, how complicated and nuanced and never monolithic blackness is mm-hmm. because it is it's, it has a duality, right? Like, the do-rag is a thing that when I had waves, you put on to protect your waves, mm-hmm. protect your style. But black people are so fucking dope that even the thing that protects our style... <laughs> we made a style. <laughs> ...is a style. So it was... The do-rags are really playing with the, the concept of, like protective style versus also like protect this style mm. like no white person you can never wear a fucking do rag yes. even though i wear this shit just to go to sleep bitch bitch you can never you, Period. Can, you could never do rag was really the different colors and how long they were was representing this like this fluid flamboyant blackness but then showing the do rags in different spaces on different bodies mm-hmm. was about showing the way that like we are so fucking dope that even the thing that we wear just to go to sleep or mm-hmm. whatever is still style, bitch. Right, right. Don't fucking touch it. Right. Don't buy it. Right. So, Ooh, mm-hmm. so that's, what they, that's what they meant. Okay. What I took away from the do-rag was mm. I felt like the do-rag was a crown. Yeah. Right? And so, but imagine someone telling you that your crown is ghetto. It's problematic because when people see do rags, they say. And imagine internalizing that. Exactly, and so when I saw the when I like saw, when people say that we're too much. Exactly, when I saw the do rag and I saw it on different people, it's like different people were carrying it different ways, right? Period. So I yeah. saw the girl on the bike, right, mm-hmm. and it's like this, like, whoo, it's almost like an extension of her hair, extension mm-hmm. of herself, mm-hmm. and it was sitting in the basket. Yeah. <laughs> on the bike. Yeah. Then you see. Jonah, he's dancing with the do-rag. In the science lab. And then you wore the do-rag to the monument, and I was like, they showed the end of the do-rag, like the very end that drags on the ground, Mm -hmm. and it felt like, to me, like, the do-rag had, it was almost like, okay, you know, like a flag that's been weathered, Mm -hmm. but the flag is still good. And, like, the... A little bit of the do-rag at the end had been tattered because you're carrying this with you everywhere you go. Mm. You're carrying it everywhere with you. That's like my actual do-rag. <laughs> but I'll never but get rid seriously, of that Seriously, but it, to me it was like, this is your crown. Mm. You don't really have a choice whether or not you want to wear it, mm-hmm. so you choose to adorn it. And no matter what happens to it, you bring it with you. Mm-hmm. It comes with you. Okay. Our hair comes with us. I feel that. Yeah. And so, it's yeah. such a sight. Our hair is such a visual representation of, like, our strength, our resistance, mm-hmm. and just, like, the visible... Yeah. Culture, the visual culture of just, like, being black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a ghetto crown. <laughs> it's a ghetto crown, but I, I love what you're saying about, like, when we really think about how a man... Like, for me, I always, as a young little, as a little boy, thought I was good looking. I always thought that mm. I was cute. I always thought that I had good energy. And so then going to school and being told that I was a faggot or being mm. told that I wasn't enough or that I was too mm-hmm. much or that I was acting like a girl, I never saw those things yeah. in me as negative. And so mm-hmm. when you're constantly told that your blackness is this, when you see it as that, yeah, um, yeah, you're right. It becomes like you're kind of protecting this crown that nobody knows that you're wearing. Yep. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So, the do-rags, I think, had so many meanings for I some people. I love the do-rag. But I knew, like... I literally thought of Solange Knows when I saw that do-rag. Good, I'm a huge fan. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yo, this is so Solange. Like, I can so see her, like, Chaz, where can I get the do-rag? Good. So, I hope she, I hope she sees the film. Okay, so another thing was, at first, I didn't understand why everyone's cash app was coming up. Reparations. So, bitch, then it's, yes. So, I was like, Shout I wonder why... Um, but my favorite part I would have to say is favorite part in the whole film. Yeah. Okay. My favorite part of the whole film was don't do anything for them unless they overpay you. Don't do any fucking thing for them unless they overpay you. Unless they overpay you, don't do. That was my favorite thing. I'm literally waiting for the right moment to drop that on Instagram. I'm going to be a t-shirt. I drop it on Instagram. Let's do it. Please, let's do that. We'll talk about that offline. That quote for me, again, I was we were talking earlier about how you know as Black queer folks, Black mm-hmm. women, we operate these these intersections, these mm-hmm. dualities in our identity. That quote, a lot of people read it as to just be don't do anything for white people unless they overpay you. Mm-hmm. But for me, that quote came from a place of rage, and it came from a place of reflection in 2020 about I'm really thinking about my dreams um, as a Black queer man. What are my dreams that do not involve institutions mm-hmm. and that do not involve labor? Mm-hmm. Because I think as Black people, we a lot of our value is constantly about how hard we work mm-hmm. and how much we overwork. And we mm-hmm. all know a family member mm-hmm. who just works, works, and works, and works. And with the don't do anything for them unless they overpay you, it was really thinking about, like, don't do anything for any institution, mm-hmm. whether it be cis men, niggas, mm-hmm. um, the, the uh, art institution, the university. Mm-hmm. Don't do anything for them unless they are giving you what you ask for. You're just doing more. And more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you deserve... I also think, too, it's really important for black creatives. I think that black creatives are really pushing on what we already knew. That Mm -hmm. for so long, like, black culture is popular culture. Yeah. And so now we're in a place where we're really, like, educating ourselves and learning how to monetize that where it's been taken from taken from us for so long and as a black creative when i heard don't do anything for them unless they overpay you is especially now motherfuckers are hiring we need a, a culture my brother actually wants to do black culture now. yes and my brother actually had i don't know the exact title but he had a contract basically netflix hired him to read scripts to black fact check don't do anything for them. Exactly. And I'm like, they're coming for you for your expertise. Make sure you are taxing these motherfuckers. No, you know period. what I'm saying? So that's one of the things I thought about. So I'm like, um, and, and so often mm. our creativity is stolen and we don't get a chance to benefit from it. And it's and ghetto. And when they hire us, they're still on some bullshit. Yeah, they're still on some bullshit. Or like, just like in the Misa Hilton, Dapper Dan, Netflix documentary. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it's called. I remember that one. And it's, uh, they always say ghetto until full, uh, proven fashionable. It is the same thing, not just with clothes. It's the way we speak. It's the way we do our hair. It's If I see one more white girl with long-ass nails and designs on every finger. And full lips. Y'all need to stop. Yep. Okay? So, That's you know, but, but if I did it. overpaid. But if I did it, I'm ghetto. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you know how many times I'm Unprofessional, like, untidy, I'm, Yes, unkempt. And so, you know, that one really kind of, like, stuck out to me. As well as, like I said, my grandma being in a video. <laughs> I was like, is this my 
whatever, mother. Um, did you catch that jump we did over? I did. That I was did. choreography of, of Jonah himself. <laughs> Let me tell you that Jonah got me together, honey. Did he? Because Jonah was like, he said, "I'm sick of that foot." Jonah was like, "Bitch, we gonna have to jump over her." I was like, "Okay, girl, I got it." Yes. But you know, Jonah is younger than me, so you know, my jump. I was like, "I got it, girl." Lord, I mean, I thought it was very beautiful. I thought that it in he's so talented. One way, one film, you touched on so many things, mm-hmm. and so I gave you a term that you could use. I felt like it was like the black periodic table. Come on. Because it addressed so many elements. In my work as Dr. Chaz, I talk a lot about black joy as mm-hmm. a critical practice. But you don't hear black people say joy enough. Plus we it's don't. Church. But the thing I want to be mind, <laughs> the thing I want to be careful about is when I talk about black joy, I am not talking about smiles and pleasure and mm-hmm. hee hee hee, we're so happy, mm-hmm. racism's not bothering us. Ooh. No, when I talk about black joy's critical practice, I mean I made that film from a place of bringing my rage, my mm-hmm. anger, my frustration, all into one piece. And so Black Joy needs to be about this freedom to, to be who the fuck we are. For you to be a black woman right. and say, you just piss me the fuck off mm-hmm. and not be labeled as... As ghetto and loud and combative. Gay. Exactly. Rude as fuck and combative as hell. That's exactly. my favorite thing and to so say. I, I think we all have to do more with like expressing these like these different elements of blackness and say fuck the white the way that white people have have contained us mm-hmm. that like we can't be angry like if I show up at work and you step on my motherfucking foot bitch watch out yeah period and I should not be labeled so and so because mm-hmm. I'm expressing emotion mm-hmm. and that was a big through line for me in the film like even at the, the beginning scene when, when I'm like uh, Vivian Barnes' poem which is like kiss my black ass yes. and back the fuck mm-hmm. up like that's where I feel in 2020 in 2020 I'm like I don't really want that many white people around no me. back the fuck up mm-hmm. send me a Venmo if you really care about me other than that <laughs> cause you know when, I don't know if it happened to you but like when all the George Floyd stuff happened I had so many white friends but see I don't have white friends <laughs> I know. But I, I went to high my, school with white people. I went to an HBCU. I, I worked at black companies, like literally in college and out of college. I worked at Kroger Spot, Mama J's, and Radio One. Damn. I have been in a black ass bubble. But I had a few of my DMs who were like, "I'm just checking on you, hoping everything is cool." And I'm like, "Bitch, you know that I have my people. That if I really mm-hmm. need to talk to somebody, it wouldn't be you." Look, I I posted that on Facebook during all of this. I was like, you know, the great thing about going to HBCU is I haven't had to delete any racist friends from college. <laughs> Funny how that happens. It's true. Yeah, so like, um, I didn't have any random Venmos. <laughs> Would have been nice. I got some. Would have been nice. I got some. Would have been nice. So I appreciate you for watching the film. And I loved it. I'm glad. It's when fun. I finally got it. No shade, duh. You know who, but. <laughs> when I finally got it. <laughs> I mean, it was the project was hard work, but it was it, it felt like I was just like releasing myself to the world. Yeah. So I'm glad that people have received it well, and I hope that it encourages folks to to make work that comes from a place of rage and joy at the same time. And if nothing else, find a way to balance on that parking pole like Jesse. I said, now that ain't number the grace of God holding him. Come on now, give me my due. Give him his things, okay? You saw me trying to balance on that pole. I would have been down already. I was like mesmerized. I'm like, how is he saying that one? <laughs> Who is the spotter? <laughs> but that intentionally was done about how we can do. Bitch, I was dancing in a parking lot. But still, first of all, I love that concept too. Um, and I love. Wait, so let me ask. Was that that pole? Was that pole there? Or did the pole appear? That pole was there. And I guess I didn't see it until she was swinging on it. Bro. 
Aurora Van Blue. It was intentional that to do the reparations conversation, mm-hmm. we had a black woman stripper lead that because yeah. they literally dance for money. Mm-hmm. And even though the strip club is an institution that caters to the male experience, mm-hmm. I do think there's something to be said about how we should learn from black women sex workers about the ways in which like they set their own prices. Yeah. They may come to work and be like, you know what? You pissing me off. The mm-hmm. Latin dance is $30 mm-hmm. more. Nigga, the fuck? They're entrepreneurs. <laughs> They're entrepreneurs. And so mm-hmm. I think even though we have these respectable black people that like don't want to act like strippers mm-hmm. are out here, you know, changing the game. Oh, I think wow. in this conversation of reparations, strippers should be who we look to yeah. because strip- it won't want no strippers it won't be no city girls it won't be no Megan Thee Stallions it won't Period. be none of that y'all bitches out here talking about pussy talk bitches and while, and, while we, and while these other respectable black women and black men are out here talking about like you know praise black men and we got an end toxic masculinity some girls are out here like you know what give me my motherfucking money I'm not out here trying to educate uh, right people. I'm not trying to make you feel better about yourself cause that's all that is Period. Period. you watch P-Valley Get I know, I know, I know, I know. I just started. But, 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 fucking love it. I have prepared myself to binge watch all weekend. You will love it. That's I know I will. I know I will. So many we people have like. We would do that on that episode too with okay. you. Okay. So many people have talked about it. That I know I will love it. I'm also behind on Power. But I don't watch that. I watch that one. The Ghost one, uh, Ghost Book, whatever it's called. But I'm literally. So excited. This is when you know you grow grown. When it's you dope. plan and are excited to do nothing. It's dope. When you make a plan to do nothing, that's how you know you grow grown. And be excited to do it. And so the cash apps, in like traditional film, it's like I am not trying to be a, a great filmmaker or a great podcaster. I just use these tools to tell black stories. I was just going to say, don't even look at it that way. As the way you are, are a storyteller. I'm a storyteller. Period. And that's and, and if you are good at any of, as a creative, that's what you are. Yeah. It's not about the medium that you use. Mm-hmm. It's about the story that you tell. So yeah. whether it was through clothes, whether it was through podcasting, yeah. you're a storyteller. So. And so with the, with the, um, the cash apps in the bottom, we were kind of breaking the fourth wall. Why was I looking for my cash app? <laughs> like I had submitted it. <laughs> Please let mine drop. Who put yours in though? Don't worry. Please. The I love it. Because, you know, on traditional I want to be included in everything you Traditional do. films that are written by white people, there's often, like, you have to have your title, like, mm-hmm. Anjali Moon, curator of Africana films, mm-hmm. or whatever, whatever. Really, no, no, just pay us our motherfucker. Just pay! The fuck? <laughs> That's what that was about. Yes, I love it. Just pay. I mean, it was raining cash out. It was raining cash out. <laughs> it was smoking Because I, what cash-ups. I want to do is, my dream is, post-COVID, when we show this film of these white-ass institutions, mm-hmm. like the Valentine, ICA, Mm-hmm. BMFA. I will say if you are in the audience and you identify as non-black and you identify as white. Normalize paying black people. Normalize paying black people. So on scene seven at uh, 10 minutes into the film, please take out your phone and whatever artist that you really resonate with, whether it be Jonah, whether mm-hmm. it be Chelsea. And send oh, them some I money. do have one more, one more that Go I ahead. God, I don't want to mess up her name. Aurora? Yes. Chelsea's sister. Sister. Yeah. First of all, we got to get better. Everybody in this motherfucking town be like, Aurora, Chelsea's sister. Give the bitch her own identity. Well, I, you know what? That's crazy because I grew up being Corey's little sister and I hated it. But I I, I knew Chelsea. Uh-huh. And I remember her telling me about her sister. Mm. And I never, I still have never met her sister. I just see. Aurora. Her, yeah, Aurora all over the place. I love that scene. Uh, you know, so. And I also follow Chelsea's other sister, who is still Chelsea's sister to me. <laughs> I feel like I kind of know them because I know her. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, my favorite part was like, 
You got a PhD and this all the fucking money you got. <laughs> My whole life, okay? We so were saying this. I ain't got a PhD. I got three jobs and a bachelor's. I'm like, how? How am I broke? Like, what the fuck? And she was immediately dancing with the money. Yes, 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 yes. I love it. It was a thing is I felt like this was like a real thing that happened to her. Hold up! <laughs> like, it almost felt like she thought she was going to get paid. And then you were like, oh, no, this is the budget. This is it. <laughs> I loved it. And again, everyday black matter. We're yeah. always underpaid. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, and like, you know, that Overeducated, scene, underpaid. That scene paired with, remember the beginning of the film, me and the videographer on the phone? Yeah. Was that a real call? A recreation. Of, yeah. Oh, wow. The reason why is because we put that in the beginning of the film because technically from what the Valentine gave us to make this film, if we did what we were paid to do, we would have, that is where the film would have ended. Oh, wow. So that's why he was, we, we literally had that He con- said, fuck it, I'll just do it. We literally had that conversation over a blunt and some <laughs> kiki where he was like, oh, yo, cool. he was like, yo, you know that like this film, all the plans that we have, it could be dope, but like they didn't give us enough money. Wow. And then we basically were like, fuck okay. it. Wow. We're going to do it. And that's what black people always do. Mm-hmm. But th- at the same time. We always time, make it work. We have to stop making it work with $2.12. Mm-hmm. We have to find a way to band together and say, you know what? Give us our motherfucking money. Mm-hmm. And that's what this, that's what I was trying to say in this film. Because at the end of the day, the Valentine Museum called Chaz Barracks to do this project. Mm. And I was like, Black Matter cannot be singular. Right. We collaborated 41 black artists and contributors wow. for this film. That's not a lot of money. So that means that like most folks that work in this film contributed for free. Yeah. Took a, a, a little payment for what they did. We gave them wow. gifts, etc. But at the same time, it just speaks to how black people, at the end of the day, we always come together and we will always collaborate. And mm-hmm. it goes back to what you were saying about, like, you will not accept this narrative that, like, black people don't give. Mm-hmm. Because I can't tell you how many black folks in Richmond who I barely know that I called mm-hmm. and I was like, look, I'm trying to bring this film about everyday black life as fine art, mm-hmm. everyday black life as beauty and joy. I really want you to be in it. I'll do it. There's one more. Go ahead. The older man that was singing. That scene makes me really emotional mm. because... When that happened, we were filming in Jackson Ward. We were actually filming my hair scene when mm-hmm. I was walking in Jackson Ward. Mm-hmm. And he he came up to us and basically was just talking to us, saying hi. And we assumed that he was asking for money. And so we were, we were both very dismissive. And we were kind of right. like, oh, no, sir, like we don't have any cash. And he was like, no, I just saw you with a camera and I, I, I could sing for y'all. He just, oh, wanted, wow. he just wanted, but he just wanted to be a part of it. I was like... I'm going to go park the car. Nick and him went to that mural and they filmed him. And then Nick asked him for his name and we got his phone number. And then I called him and told him that the song that he sung was beautiful. We want to include it in the film. What is his cash app? And then there was another blind spot of mine because he was like, oh, I, I, yeah. I don't have cash mm-hmm. app. And Anjali was making a really good point about how like in this in this era of like COVID and using and not using digital cash money, and yeah. digital money, like what happens to folks like that? Oh yeah, me and my wife been talking about that. What happens to him? And so mm-hmm. I'm collecting a little bit of money for him, and oh, I'm awesome. gonna bring him some cash. Oh wow, okay, being, I'll cash you cash out you yeah, for being in the film. But like that scene makes me really emotional because even though I'm out here trying to do this work, you still you have, have a blind, blind spot. You have a blind spot, mm-hmm. and like I will admit, like when he came up to me, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry, we don't have any change. Mm-hmm. He didn't want that. So the content of what she was saying about like innocent black men that were murdered mm-hmm. and just like cultural state of affairs. Mm-hmm. And so he's singing his heart out. He's happy. Yeah. About it, he's right? joyful. And as he's, he's joyful about seeing about the struggle, but you could hear the world still going on around him. It didn't even matter. The bus. The that. bus. I mean, that scene made me really sad. Mm-hmm. Like it to me is symbolized. We are singing out for 
help. We're we're Love. trying to just muster through the next step, and the world doesn't even give a fuck about what's going on. You saw when the bus went by, he didn't even. Mm-hmm. Cause we're used to it. We're numb to it. Girl, you read that scene. We and it's funny because in traditional, quote unquote, you know what I mean by yeah. traditional film, you would cut out yeah. the bus. Mm-hmm. But when we watched it back, it was so powerful. He was he was unfazed. Mm-mm. He was so happy and so into Just to be a part of it. and being able to express himself that you know everything else that was going on in the world didn't even matter. And that's so much like to me. Even though he was doing it, that's just, that's the same thing as like when they say riots. That's the same thing. It's these people screaming out. It's these people asking for help, and the world is around them, not giving a fuck about what they're doing, and they're trying to express themselves in any way possible. So if you have to burn down a target to do so, do it. And I love at the end when he looks at us and says, "I love you, brother. I love you so yeah. much." Like, yeah, yeah it was that's, awesome my, that's actually my favorite scene. Yeah, it's an awesome scene. Awesome yeah. scene. Oh, thank you. Yeah. This has been dope. I know. This has been. Can we do this in real life all the time? <laughs> this is on Instagram. It's late as fuck. Hey. This has been great. I want you to um, close us out with giving a little shout out to your podcast. And yes. How, they, how can they find you? They really love you. You will definitely be back on my show. Yes, and you'll be on my show. Oh, oh 100%. Within the next two weeks. And I have to say, I appreciate you being so humble because I know you were married, living in the suburbs. I was like, she wants to see my little, my little home office and be like, ooh. Uh, Let me just say this. Look. <laughs> and this is even coming out to my car. I don't told you about my 2012 Hyundai. If anybody want a 2012 Hyundai with 80,000 miles on it, let me know. I got, I got selling your car? Yeah. I got a little something for you. Okay. And it's for the love. Okay. If y'all don't save that for your baby when she turns 16. Please. You can find me um, at Chelsea. No, what is my sir? Oh, starring under score Chelsea um and first of all I love your setup me and my wife moved into a humble brag a rather a rather large home yeah but I'm not gonna lie to you all the time we talk about how we miss our one bedroom one bath apartment it's humble it's humbling but it's it's homey it's um it was us you know what I'm saying it was our home and so bigger doesn't always mean better like I had that conversation with my friend bigger bigger does not always mean better we and don't get me wrong, I love where I live now, but we we still yearn for, for that the, for the home you that That's that true. one bedroom apartment, you know what I'm saying? So I love your setup. Thank you. I would live here in a in a heart a heartbeat. Once again, my one bedroom, one bathroom apartment that I could lay in the bed and look at my front door. Like <laughs> I was just there in May. So and I Yo, would have adjusting. done anything for this setup. Thank so please, you. this is awesome. Look. I always said the studio when I would always open the show and say, "Welcome back to the penthouse." But the reality was, I was in a trap house. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> theater of the mind. It just so happened during quarantine, I actually was like needing a mental break from the podcast for a moment because I was like, "Wow, my life has changed so much so fast." Like, can I really host a show, single in the city, and how do I honor where I am in my life and enjoy where I am in my life yeah. and still giving my guests what they need? Mm-hmm. And how do I work that out? Because this is my baby. I don't want to let it go. Mm-hmm. And I needed that moment. I didn't do the show for five months. And five months. Five months. But in that five months, I was moving. I was I had a dog. I was adjusting to being a whole goddamn wife. Mm-hmm. So that time was necessary. And at that time, you know, everyone was pr- overproducing content. So true, because people was all at home bored. And, and yeah, and my whole thing was like, I'm not even watching this shit anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm like, my biggest thing is always give people an opportunity to miss you. 
Yeah. We don't give people time to miss us. And we're so attached to our work. I realize that I attach so much of my worth to my productivity. But that level. means that's, that's, that is the black experience. It is. So it is. See, we're conditioned to like it see is. our value as well. Especially my mom being an entrepreneur my whole life. My mom has not had anyone sign a paycheck for her in over 30 years. Anything that she has is because of her hands and her work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I was raised. And so, you can follow me at starring <laughs> underscore Chelsea. <laughs> took a while to get there. I know. Um, follow the podcast at Single in the City Podcast. If you would like to be a guest on the show, yes. you can go to ChelseaLamore.com and click Single in the City and put your name and why you would like to be a guest on the show. You don't have to be single. You don't have to be married. You don't have to be straight. You just got to be an open book. Not even an open book. Just willing to converse yes. and engage. And so, any reason why you would be a great guest, please put more than emojis. That's all I this was so cute